0: What's up everybody, I John Bush don't from Mormon and, and you're listening to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Turn it on.
1: Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley,
2: better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome,
1: incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, bam. Dilly D.
0: All right, it's time for the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. And I, hey, hey, hi, it's me, Dr. Fuck. And who am I with? And it goes a
1: little something like this. Oh, yeah!
0: Oh, shit, you're back to beer.
1: This, this is the fifth beer I've had since March. But wow. it's, it's just, there, there's nothing like cracking that beer. And today I just had like one of those days where my whole body aches. So I'm drinking vodka. And I've dug out these two beers that I've had in my fridge since March. You so, Rock
0: and Metal Combat Podcast once again sponsored yes. by Rolling Rock.
1: Hello, and uh, hey, Ian, what's going on, man? Oh, man! Uh, today, well, you—we are recording this on Wednesday. You will hear it on Sunday, which will be the day after the premiere of my new radio show, Wadzilla World, on SoundforiaRadio.com. And I hope all of you listened. If you missed it, make sure you tune in next Saturday, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. And I will be playing all kinds of genres of music. It's going to be predominantly hard rock and heavy metal, but a lot of other shit thrown in. And I'm very excited about this. But not only do I have my new radio show, there is also an amazing new podcast the era vault which is doing amazing hey that's you know I'm a, I'm a, yeah i'm a number so i've been watching your ratings man people are tuning in i've been reading the comments everybody loves it so congratulations you just put up your third episode which happens to be
0: the one that oh, people love the best people love the best my second episode now
1: people are liking my third episode even more Yes, your 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 tales of your concert your legendary concert tales.
0: Yes, and it has something extremely special cuz on my on my Vieira vault show, I pull out something from the Vieravolt, vault and oh boy. Let me just put it this way. One of the craziest interviews you'll ever hear from one of the greatest bands where the name of the band kind of sounds like Glenn Glalin. <laughs> and it was nice. and it was recorded Hours before I saw him live for the very first time on the women in Gilden first short guitar, And, right. uh, yeah, it's like uh, just uh, an insane, where they batch Journey, Cheap Trick, Pat Benatar. And it's pretty off the wall. You got to check it and,
1: out. And I have heard that, thanks to you. And that, that was an amazing uh, interview. Yeah. So everybody needs to check out that episode. This one and every other one. Of the Biera uh I mean anybody, of course, who loves this show is going to love the Biere Vault. And uh, man, congratulations! It's doing phenomenal, Thank and you. I'm very, I'm very happy for you, brother. Thank you. Right, and to let everybody know, uh, it is on iTunes. It is on uh, Spreaker.com, which we're not even on. You're big time. You're on Spreaker. Uh, and, uh, you know, they can, uh, a great way to get that if you, if you listen on your phone, Podcast Addict, which a lot of our listeners use, you can get Vieira Volt on that. And, uh, yeah, check it out.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, do check it out. And I'm very proud. And uh, people are loving it, man. And uh, just to uh, give a little shout out to our, our uh, Rainbow Buddy, Greg Barnes. Yes. Who listened to my Concert Story episode. And he was on a mission because what I said during my episode is that when I saw the Power Slave tour, I thought Dickinson sounded way better than he did on the Live After Death tour where it was at Hollywood Sport Touring and Greg Barnes found a bootleg copy of it. So he sent it to me and I listened to it as I was waiting for you to call me and damn, my memory serves me correct. I even got the set list right. I said wow. they did the same exact same exact it's set, set list from the LA Forum from the Live After Death tour, and Bruce Dickinson sounded way better. And sure enough, he sent it to me. And it's the same damn set list, and I listened to Aces High, Two Minutes, and Flight of Icarus, Waiting for You, and Revelations. And yes, my memory serves me correct. Correct, Bruce sounded m- way better than Live After Death. They should have recorded the show I was at. So all you fucks out there that think, oh, Live After Death is one of the greatest shows ever. I that's saw, me. I saw something even better than that, you fucks. Thank you. That's me. And that's <laughs> me who saw the, the the upgraded version of Live After Death. I saw that shit
1: live. <laughs> you saw live before death.
0: <laughs> exactly. I saw live before the Dickinson's voice is death.
1: Thank you. Awesome. Well, we got something special to read this week. We got an iTunes review. Cool. And and I, I I gotta love it. We now have one hundred and three uh, star ratings on iTunes and we have eighty-two written reviews. Wow. Yeah. And our, our latest one, I'm happy to say, is a five star rating from Mr. Charles Dingus. Dingus dingus wow. <laughs> and it's entitled fantastic podcast which I, I love that already he yeah. says and I quote very this, is, this is a great podcast for anyone who is a fan of rock slash metal and comedy I wish there was more podcasts out there like this but that's why this one is so special because there isn't anything else like it one question though where did the news segment go? I miss hearing your guys take on the music news. Yeah. Well, well, thank you very much. And, you know, sometimes, Charles, we have other stuff that comes up. Uh, you know, sometimes it's a slow news weekend. There's not, you know, if it's a bunch of Avenged Sevenfold stories or, you know, you know, hey, uh, Corey Taylor took a shit today. You know, we'll skip it. But are you in luck, Mr. Dingus? Because uh, we are actually going to have some news today. Woohoo! Woohoo! But we thank you, Charles Dingus, for your five-star review. Keep those reviews coming. I love to read that shit on the air. And, uh, you know, next time put something in there that lathers Ralph's ass a little bit more. He likes that. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm kind of like, why don't you go on your iTunes and cruise cruise over to Vera
1: Vault and leave me a comment? (laughs) Everybody out there do that. No, 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 no. Alrighty, well let's get into it It's been a long time We are gonna do the news It's been a lonely, 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 lonely A uh, hard time That's right Yeah. Alright, well Vince Neal is kicking around Some ideas for a possible New solo album Alright, I,
0: like, yeah. I like Vince Neal's solo Actually He says uh, he hasn't let know, me down yet You know that I like Carved in Stone I thought you know, that was a
1: great I, album I've never listened to any of his solo albums all the way through.
0: Well, let me tell you, son, that's a damn fine album. Other than the little hip-hop and the industrial tune on there,
1: which you'll probably yeah. like,
0: the rest of it is dark. <laughs> it's dark and heavy and fucking pretty kick-ass. And, uh, and I liked his last one, which is a bunch of solo songs. I mean, yeah. cover, cover songs. I heard great, a lot of that. Great version of Another Piece of Meat. Great version of He's a Whore. Um, yes, I good heard that. shit, and there, I have a bunch. I have a folder full of Vince Neil B sides that are not going to sneeze at either. So
1: yeah, bring it on, Vince. And and Vince just came under heat for uh, for a show he played over in Europe. I don't know if you saw this story yes, or I not. Did. Yes, I did. And uh, that, but that's something I've heard b- reported at a lot of Vince Neal solo concerts lately, where it's a uh, a short set list. There's a lot of covers. And there's a, um, you know, kind of a lengthy section where he's not even on stage, where the rest of the band just jams through like, you know, a, a, a medley of classic uh, metal songs. Right. But this promoter was none too happy about that and apologized to the crowd, and said that, you know, that you know, won't, he made a mistake in hiring Vince. And uh, you know, all I got to say to Vince is, is hey. He's got to lose a little bit of weight because I actually lost a little bit of weight, so I can't be his stunt double. I mean, we're both still fat bastards, but uh, you, you know, we got we got to keep on the same page here so I can make that stunt double money. I need the extra income.
0: Uh, I gotta say, Vince is still lame live. I mean, I like his albums, but live, you know, it's uh, it's, not, it's not that great. He skips words, and yeah, he's he's looking fatter now than ever. Yeah, uh, yeah. He, I really don't give a fuck about that, but you know, if you are like a Motley Crue fan, looks are very important. So I can understand how a lot of people bitch about the way he looks. I just want him to fucking rock. I don't give a fuck what he looks like, but I feel that way about
1: everybody, you know. Who, who the fuck complains about Motorhead, huh? Right. Exactly. Well, another thing, uh, another story that's came out recently was Nikki Six talking about. The end of Motley Crue, and he says, you know, it didn't end like he wanted it to, and basically made it sound like Vince is the only guy he's still in contact with.
0: I actually listened to the whole audio interview of that yesterday morning, and it is a very revealing, and it was a really good interview with Nikki Sixx, where Nikki Sixx sounded like actually honest for a change, and uh, it was like an hour and a half of him talking and not one mention of 6 a.m., so... All right, Nikki. I oh, guess he, nice. I guess he already like, came to the conclusion that that ain't going to work.
1: But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, no no Brides and Destruction reunion either. Well, actually, <laughs> most of
0: the conversation had to do with food. But then he went into Motley Crue, and yeah, Vince is the only person that talks to him. Like, Tommy and uh, Mick won't return his calls.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and, and that got me thinking. It's like, I'd almost like to see... Uh, those two do something together. Because, I mean, if Vince is thinking about doing a new solo album, who's going to write this shit? Because Vince don't write anything. Yeah, so, well, I
0: mean, he'll get writers, man, like he did on those other albums. He got some right, damn right. good
1: writers. But I'm saying maybe, maybe he can get, uh, you uh, know... No, come on. That
0: guy, I think he's passed his prime, too. What the fuck has he written? Anything well, good well, since 94?
1: Right, well, I mean, that's what I'm getting to, though. As long as he stays away from those 6 a.m. guys... Uh, you know, maybe if it was just something him writing with Vince, I'd be interested in maybe, like, a project they do together. I mean, I, I, it's not anything I'd have high hopes for, but, you know, fuck it, you know, do something. Yeah, we'll see.
0: But uh, I, I, I bet you anything that Vince Neil um, will rock. But then again, no, let me not t- put that bet down. <laughs> you know, it might suck. But so far, he's been batting a 100 with me as far as his solo output. I enjoy all three records, even if one was a cover.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I, and I tell you what, though, I really did love uh, the two covers that you mentioned. Another piece of meat, and he's a whore. Yeah. I thought he did. A, I thought he did a damn fine job on he's a whore, and I didn't mind the title track that much either. I
0: yeah yeah no, I thought the whole thing was. I didn't. I did not skip a song. I liked it all. I just uh, didn't listen to it enough. But now I'm gonna want to listen to it again. I did well, enjoy it. I did buy it.
1: So, you know, I, I support old Vinnie Boy. Here's somebody who definitely has an album coming out, and I'm looking forward to that, is the newly reformed
0: Black Country Communion. I heard a song today, and it was fucking phenomenal.
1: Loved Collide. Is yeah, that the a one video? Song? a video, right? Yeah. That yeah, was the, great. Uh, it was really good. Once again, uh, produced by Kevin Shirley, who I believe has done all the rounds, which, like, wow, why can't he make the new Maiden album sound like that? But, you know, uh, you know
0: Kevin Shirley, uh I, oh, this is a big announcement. His partner is um is uh, producing my next Die album. His name really? is Bob Laverne.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Oh, are they gonna co-produce both Laverne and Shirley? No, 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 it's just Bob Laverne.
0: <laughs> we go, we're gonna we're gonna have uh, guest vocals by Squeaky.
1: <laughs> Hello, ladies. <laughs> How about the big ragu? Is the big ragu gonna show up? <laughs> is that guy still alive? <laughs> I still got it.
0: I think I think big oh, ragu is problem. so big now that he probably won't <laughs> be able to fit inside that fucking studio door. I believe he's oh. he's Vince Neil's
1: chef. Oh my god! I'm dying laughing. I'm watching. I'm I'm on this kick, man. Watching Happy Days. Oh, I'm, I'm, I love that show, dude. Dude, I, I, right now I'm I'm in the I'm in season. I'm right at the end of season six, and it was like they had a fake funeral for Fozzie, and you could tell Laverne and Shirley just started up because Laverne and Shirley, Linny and Squiggy, and the Big ragu all show up at the at the funeral. Nice. Oh God, I I, I tell you what, man, watching Happy Days, it, it's it, it's funny because it's so tame compared to like what you see now on TV but it still holds up.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's so goofy, too. Uh, did you ever see the uh, the outtake where where Fonzie starts making out with Mrs. C? <laughs> no, that, no. Yeah, I think it's on YouTube. They were just in the middle of the scene, and then uh, Fonzie started, like, kissing on her neck, and then they just started making out in front of Mrs. Mr. C. Mr. C. <laughs> and, the, and Jody, and, you know. It, it's, it's quite... I love... See, Happy Days was extremely important to me as a child. I would watch that show. It was the biggest show on TV at the time. Fonzie was very uh, influential on me on banging a lot of chicks. You know, hey. Fon- Fonzie would take chicks in his house, and what did his house have? None but pictures of all the chicks he's banged.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Badass motherfucker. Oh, man. I'll tell you what, Bill. But the worst part of every episode is when Patsy sings. God damn it. Oh, yeah, I hate yeah. it when It's so sinks. white bread. It's fucking pathetic. Oh, man. It's like Pat Boone. Like, and like, and
0: like look, look at Richie
1: lip uh, sax sax uh, sinking. Oh, I, I, every time they show the band playing, every it, he's always played a different instrument. Sometimes <laughs> it's like, but 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 like Ralph Mel's always on piano, but sometimes <laughs> fucking uh, Richie's on saxophone. Sometimes the guitar. Sometimes it's on bass. There's yeah. bit, I, I, actually, there's more drummers than Spinal Tap. If you look at the latest version, I watched Chachi's the fucking drummer.
0: Oh, did you ever see my one of my favorite episodes is Sticks, the black guy? Yeah. You who, know, that, that guy used to do porno. The porno, yes. Yeah, yeah, and I've seen some of those pornos.
1: So have I. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think Sticks. one of
0: was Candy Stripe Girls. He was in that
1: one, I think. Oh, my God. Oh, the Sticks episode is so funny because it's like, you know, a black guy comes to Milwaukee in the 50s, you know, and, and the way they yeah. do it, yeah you race know, race them. relations. Oh, my God. It's 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 fucking hilarious, and then they have the party, and people won't allow their kids to go because Sticks is gonna be there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that shit fucking rules. Oh, One shit. of my favorite ones. So that's at, the Happy Days news segment of our show.
1: Yeah. And at the end, they show Joni looking beep ass.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, now you now everyone's gonna know the secret. <laughs> hey,
1: Mrs. C, Mrs. C, Chachi put his pots in Ralph's mouth. What are you gonna do? Sit on it. Hey. uh <laughs> Try the fish. She's telling me not so Correctamundo. <laughs> oh my god. But anyway, back to Black Country Communion. Uh man, what a great song. I and, like Beep Country <laughs> Communion ass <laughs> uh, uh Such a great band and I, I mean it's nothing it's like groundbreaking or reinventing everything, but it's just solid rock and roll. I love Joe Bonamassa. I mean, a real strong guitar player. As far as keyboardists go, I love Derek uh, Sherinian. I'd take him any day over Jordan Ruin This because uh, what, what Sherinian does, it just lays a little nuance without fucking going overboard. And that's where I think fucking Jordan Ruin's Dream Theater just... Too fucking much. Where Derek just plays atmosphere. Hey, how about that Yngwie Malmsteen? Oh, my God. (laughs) This guy just don't know when to shut up. (laughs) Oh, okay, so for those of you who don't know this story, uh, Yngwie Malmsteen basically came out and said, uh, you know, at this point in his career, he's no longer interested in working with other singers because to him they're no different than a bass player or this or that and that he writes everything anyway you know the the lyrics the vocal medleys and like you know it doesn't seem sincere when somebody else is singing something he wrote and he can do it just as good anyway and wow what a load of horse shit that is
0: yeah just got Soto came out saying what are you talking about I wrote on the run again he wrote a uh... But he did admit that Hingway did write a lot of Marching Out, but he wrote a few of those songs as well. So
1: I, I like I like this comment about, I think a Puerto Rican did pretty convincing as a Viking. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was awesome.
0: I love Jeff Scott Soto. That's another unsung hero right there. Oh, yeah. I, oh, say, and- I gotta say, I gotta say, when I saw Journey with Jeff Scott Soto, it's like, fuck all you Steve Perry clones. That guy put his style into Journey but I heard that cocksucker, Jonathan Kane wanted him out. And that's yep. why he's no longer in Journey. But that guy, when I saw Journey Live with him, he did this, like, he did those Journey songs, like, in his style. And it worked so well. And I'm sure you can probably see video on YouTube. It's like, fuck these clones. I mean, it's cool. Arnell's cool. And, uh, you know, the Steve Perry with a perm was okay. But, and
1: Steve O'Cherry. <laughs>
0: yeah, but, but, but my point is, is that, you're just seeing, like, a tribute-type thing where this guy, you know, right. is, like, doing the anti-Tommy Thayer,
1: you know? Well, well, have, have you heard about all this drama between Neil Sean and Jonathan yes. Kane? Yes,
0: yes. Uh, and I've, I've heard it spilled onto Twitter and everything.
1: Oh, yeah. It's and,
0: got- and Jonathan Kane bad. should shut the fuck up because that's Neil's band. I'm sorry. Jonathan yeah. Kane was brought in later. And, and I John- ha- I've i always hated that guy.
1: And, 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 and in my opinion, he helped... You know ruined the band because I'm a Greg Raleigh fan, you know. That's yeah, my because favorite that's era. that's
0: soulful journey oh, now, yeah. dude. Nothing against Escaping Frontiers, I love those albums, right? But it still was not No Infinity or Evolution or Departure, right. those to me are like the right. best.
1: Oh my god, it you know, those songs, you know, like you know, anytime and uh, feeling that way, you know, yeah. when you wouldn't get that playback. Between Steve Perry and Greg Raleigh, holy shit! You know? Oh, yeah,
0: no, no, it's it, it, that's that's my journey, dude. That's when I got into them. You know, I know the early stuff, the the more proggy stuff was Oh, and cool. I
1: I love that too. Yeah, it's
0: it's good too. But I think they really did come to their own on uh, when when Perry joined, and you you mixed Perry with fucking Raleigh, and it's like, goddamn, what a great
1: you know, yin and yang, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, can you imagine if if that lineup would have withstood the 80s? You know, what better quality of Journey you could have got? You dude, know?
0: T- just look up Just the Same Way. Oh, oh man, what song, a dude. fucking song is that, dude. Love that fucking yeah. shit, dude. Just the same. I love Greg Wally. What a great, great singer. Oh, yeah. He unfortunately it- can't tour anymore or else, you know... He would be a great fucking uh, replacement for this cocksucker
1: Oh, yeah. You know, and, and that's something I'm very glad that I've got, you know, my old lady, Journey's like her favorite fan, but I've really pushed on her, the, you know, the Greg Raleigh era. And now that's like her favorite, you know, and, and she's like really got into that, you know, and I was like, yeah, you know, before Jonathan Kane. You know, made you know, and, and Steve Perry didn't help either. I mean, he definitely wanted to go that commercial direction too. But well,
0: Steve Perry also like kind of ruined the band more than Jonathan Cain did. You know? Right, right. But you still, know, he did that. He fucking pretty much fired the rhythm section. But yeah, dude. I mean, I just think they're fucking great, two great, great players. I love Journey. You know, when I was a kid, Journey was a joke. You know, like like Kiss. You know, and Ario Speedwagon, and like if you like those bands, you were a fag. Right. But, uh, Boy, I love being a fag. I don't give a fuck. Oh, if you like metal, you can't like Journey. Well, you know.
1: Right. You suck. (laughs) Ha ha, I got him back. (laughs) Well, there you go. I win. All right, well, next story, Paul Stanley finds the idea of making another Kiss album more and more enticing. Paul Stanley. Paul Stanley. He's the loving breathing embodiment of Kiss. I'm very intrigued. (laughs) Uh, I think we will see another Kiss album. Uh, What the quality will be remains to be seen. I I think, uh, you know, we all know how Paul is struggling live now, but I'm sure through studio magic. Well, uh, to me,
0: uh, Monster proves it. He sounds great on Monster, but then you see him do those Monster songs live. Right. And it's like holy fuck, run for the door.
1: Don't right. do it, Paul. Well, my my thing is I would like to see uh I would like to see better production. Yeah, uh, I
0: would like to see Eddie Kramer and Ace Frehley in the, on the fucking album.
1: Wow. Well, yeah. well tell me well, that won't work. That I I mean that would work. I don't think at this point in time. Excuse me. Unfortunately, I don't think KISS is going to use a producer because you have to pay them. And we all know that, no, you know, they're not going to make the same money on record sales. So I'm sure it would be another Paul Stanley produced production. Uh, and he's just come out and said again that no Ace Fraley, Uh, you know, no Ace isn't coming back. Uh, but my big emphasis is on on the songwriting. Can you write some good songs? Uh, I am not the biggest fan of Sonic Boom or Monster. I do like Monster better than Sonic Boom. I'll give you that. But I don't like Monster as much as you. I but think
0: I, Monster's the best album they've done since
1: Lick It Up. How do you like those apples, you kiss nerds? But, uh, but I do like that they're going for the old school vein. I mean, that's... The songwriting style that's on Sonic Boom and Monster is what I wanted out of... Uh, Psycho Circus and didn't get Uh, but the thing is at this age and this late in the game can you write some quality songs I mean can you give me another come on and love me can you give me another she can you you give me
0: another hell or hallelujah yeah that's where I am
1: yeah, no, I'll pass I hate that fucking song. Oh, oh my I god. I love that song. And, and I'm a Paul Nussler. Long Way Down?
0: Uh, he wrote some great ones on that
1: album. I, I, I like Long Way Down. That is that is one that I like. That's a killer song. Uh I I like I, I think I like the one that you didn't like. I liked Eat Your Heart out. <laughs> oh, I can't stand that
0: song. That's that's the only song on that album. well no, I don't I'm not a big fan of the Eric Singer song either.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, the I thought ways. that was... I thought Eat Your
0: Heart Out was the Eric Singer song. No, no. Uh, all in the Name of Rock and Roll or something like oh, that. Oh. All, all for Rock and Roll. Or what was are, the yeah. only two songs I can't stomach on that album. Yeah,
1: no, I like that one. I, I, like love,
0: that. I love the Tommy Thayer song, Out of This World. And, it, you know, people hate it because, you know, because of the theme... You know, it's a space song. Oh. But I, I think that song rocks.
1: No, I like that song. I'm, I'm gonna admit yeah. it. I, I like that I'm song. Telling
0: you, man, it's a rocking tune. You know, it's like. Yeah,
1: but oh, I, I didn't. I didn't like Heller Hallelujah." I like "Modern Day Delilah" better than that.
0: Uh, I that's one of the only songs I like. That and "I'm an Animal" from uh, oh, and yeah, yeah, it was okay. Ooh, there's three songs. Oh, I, like. I hate.
1: I hated that. I, it's I,
0: okay, I think it's okay. I'm not saying it's
1: great. I, but I like that one. The one you hated. That kiss that Gene Simmons has been trying to get on record since 1980. Uh, what was it? Uh, oh, Russian Roulette. Russian Roulette. Yeah, I like that
0: song. Yeah, that was terrible. <laughs> well, How about the one that sounds like nothing but a good song? What was the name of that one? Oh, that was horrible. I can't it remember. Was the name so of it. bad.
1: I know that made it on the. I I know that made it on, uh, I, I made it on uh, our worst of. I can't remember the name of it though. Oh boy, yeah, that's a bad oh. one. never
0: enough. I think it was called.
1: Yeah. Oh. 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 Yes. Oh. What, what was the other one that was so bad? Oh. Uh. It, it, it was a. It was a paraphrase on words.
0: Uh, oh yeah. Um. Uh. Something danger, right? Yeah.
1: Danger us. Danger <laughs> us. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. No,
0: dude. Believe me. Sonic boom has to be one of the worst. I'll put that down with Sonic boom. Hot in the Shade and uh, Crazy Nights are the, on the bottom, the worst <laughs> Kiss albums, in
1: my opinion. Danger us made fucking Brett Michaels' wig fall off. That was fucking. <laughs> horrible. Oh, I, I've been. Oh God, I, poor Bill Wing. I've been giving him so much shit because there's all these epic uh, album battles on the Kiss 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 Hard Rock page.
0: I got. Let me say something about that Kiss 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 Hard Rock page. You can put the greatest album in the world against the shittiest Kiss album, and Kiss will get the most votes.
1: Oh, I've I noticed that.
0: It's so oh, biased.
1: Oh, I, I've been, I've been teasing him about it. Uh, you know oh, about and, that? And oh yeah, oh yeah. And, and Bill's a good. And me and Bill talk damn near every day. On my way home from work, I always, I, uh, if I, if I don't go to the gym, I call Bill Wang, and, and I always tease him about that. But they had like Love Gun up against uh, Van Halen One. And I love Love Gun. I love Love Gun. Y- y- you know, e- even the songs I don't like, it's still one of my favorite Kiss records. Yeah. But compared to Van Halen 1... Yeah,
0: no, don't worry. I'm telling you, there's no way... Dude, they uh, could have put Sonic Boom... Well, not Sonic Boom, because that's a anti-Thayer uh, page. But let's say a Revenge against yeah. uh, a, or Crazy Nights. <laughs> and I guarantee, it may not get as many votes... Be, but now, let's say you put it up on any other page, uh, Van Halen will win hands down.
1: Right. Well, well, here's what I teased them about because I'm, I'm like, I even said it, I, I said in in the post that it was, th- this is asinine. They put the Elder up against Fair Warning.
0: Oh yeah, I saw that one too.
1: I did, and, and I, and said, you know,
0: and you know what I feel about the Elder, I, and I, I still I, voted Fair Warning.
1: <laughs> r- right. But I, 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 I posted. I, I said, you know. Not only does anybody who picks the elder is delusional, but you're an embarrassment to homosexuals. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like you are to, to fucking homosexuals what fucking Wayne Brady is to black people. Yeah, you, you know, like you're a fucking embarrassment. Yeah,
0: because you know when I see like a really great album versus a mediocre Kiss album, I can't help but go through the, the comments.
1: So, so I fucking teased him today when I called him on my way home. I said, "Oh." I, I, I just participated in a very uh, interesting versus battle on your page. He goes, oh, which one? I go, it was Kiss Alive for the Symphony against Judas Priest, uh, Unleashed in the East. Oh, Kiss God. was winning. He's no. Like, he's like, you fucking... A-. No, I made that up, but he's like, oh, you yeah. fucking asshole. I'm, uh. like, I'm like, it would win. It yeah, would win it would. It, it would either
0: win or be a very close one.
1: And And, and Bill's answer was... Well, Peter Chris is on that album.
0: <laughs> yeah, so are Triggers. <laughs>
1: yeah. And so is Tony Thayer. Special guest Tony Thayer and Yeah, that is Tony
0: Thayer. Tony Tony Tony, Tony Thayer.
1: But no, I, I I love Bill Wang and I I, I love I, Bill Wang too. I, I love his page. Kiss 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 Hard Rock Heavy Metal is a great fun page. They do have some great, you know, album versus battles. But, man, I tell you what, when it comes to KISS versus anything else, there's some delusional motherfuckers on there. Yeah,
0: I, I, I know. I'm telling you, man, there's some people that it's like, that's why, I te- that's why I'm up to 5 million views on my Almost Human channel. It's almost 5 million now. And remember, it was only six months ago it just hit 4 million. Dude, yeah. I'll put up a video on there, and it'll be like 1,000 hits in about two days there's just just—they're fanatical. Kiss fans are—they're are, oh, yeah. they're
1: zombies. You know, it's oh, like, my, oh my god! I tell you what, the numbers we've had—and it, it's probably one of the worst episodes, if not the worst episode ever for me, at least was the Creatures of the Night. And that's got numbers like crazy, and I'm so like, oh my god! Somebody listening to this will never check out our podcast. I know, I
0: know, I wouldn't have.
1: <laughs> I know because I so, hate
0: that episode. You pissed me off so much on that episode.
1: I know, I, I can tell because it's like months after the fact, and then when you put up the unedited, I can yeah. tell you got you got mad at me all yeah, over. Yeah, I was again.
0: listening to it, and I'm like, God, I hate Ian. He's such a dick.
1: <laughs> oh my god, and and I fucking. Because I keep clicking on it to see comments, because I'm so like, oh god, if anybody gives me shit, I deserve it. And like, uh, I just heard little snippets. I was like, oh my god, how was I even awake? I was so drunk. Good I one. will go
0: on record and say that is the worst Rock and Metal Combat episode ever recorded.
1: I, I know, and it, and it sucks for such like an album that
0: yeah, you know, that, that should be like well represented. All
1: right, and our last story. Uh, this is an album I'm very much look, looking forward to because they have been on a roll lately, and that is Except has a new album called coming out called The Rise of Chaos.
0: It's been a while. It's been a while. What three, four years since uh, the the one with the bull?
1: Uh, yeah, but I, but I mean in the grand scheme of things, and it okay. Let's put it this way: in the last ten years, you've gotten like fucking for Accept Records. That's pretty good for nowadays.
0: No, no, no. It's great. I'm not just saying. But yeah, they're due though. That's all I meant. Uh, And man, that's you know, that that right there, man. Accept is up there with Iron Maiden with me. I mean, they are one of the best fucking metal bands ever, you know. And I listen to Accept way more than Iron Maiden, you know, but my point is, is that Accept is one of those unsung heroes, but the reason that they're still around is because there's so many hardcore metalheads that Will not let them go. Oh because yeah, they're they so. I mean, in the annals of heavy metal, where it's like where you, you you eliminate the trendy fags that go to like you know arena shows and doesn't go to club shows. Right. That is a band that is so well respected, <laughs> and they did take really bad decisions. Right. Uh, you know, after Udo left the first time, and I didn't like Generation Clash and all that stuff. They, right. But still, they. What they're doing now is the same thing, like uh, like Saxon. You know, they're still right. releasing quality fucking albums that only hardcores really like pay attention.
1: Right, and you know, you, you brought up you brought up a really good fact uh, that I never really thought of before. When, when you go to arena shows nowadays, you know, and I kind of made a little comment about the Roger Waters show. You see some real like grade-A douchebags, or you could smell like a Fairweather fan a mile away, but when you go to a club show, you see, like, the last remnants of our era. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, like the real yeah, the the hardcores, the yeah. hardcores. Yeah, and, and there's definitely a different vibe. It's one of those things you could just look at somebody and know, like, this motherfucker is all about metal. Where you go to a big arena show, you know, like, eh, I'm just going because it's in town and everybody else is going. and You know, but yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head, dude. You know, because the club shows I go to now, it's a special breed. And you see those same people at every other quality metal show that comes through town.
0: There's just something so special of seeing, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to see soon, um... um uh, oh, fuck. Uh, Venom Inc. Uh, oh, nice. With Goat Whore and Toxic Holocaust. What a lineup, huh? Yeah. Uh, that's going to be a fucking awesome show. Um, and then I'm going to uh, a stadium with a bunch of douchebags next week to see Guns N' Roses. Oh! yes, I am going. Fuck yeah. I gotta go. I, I just... Look, man. I, I, it's here, man. It's in Miami. It's close to my house. And I love Appetite, and uh, fuck it. I'm going to go to that, you know. But, you know, I don't really feel the same way you do, you know. Right. So I'll, I'll support it, and uh, I'll go see it. Now, granted, I did not buy a ticket, and I am not going to buy a ticket. I'm going to that show, and I'm dealing with a scalper because it's a Tuesday night in trendy-ass Miami. You know there's going to be scalpers trying to get rid of tickets. You know that shit ain't going to be sold out like in other markets. Uh-huh. So um, I'm
1: hoping for the best. What happens if you go there and you and you hook is Guns N' Roses chick going to be there? And what's going to happen?
0: She doesn't like Guns N' Roses. I've told you this already. I oh. really use her as an example because Chinese uh. democracy like reminds me of her. Oh, dude, there's a lot of shows coming soon that I think she'll be at. I don't give a fuck. I'm going to ignore her. I don't care. I went to uh, what was the show that I went to that I'm sure she was at and I didn't see her. Oh, uh, Rat and Ace Fraley. I'm sure she was there. I didn't bump into her, but I'm sure she was there. I don't give a fuck. I don't care, dude. If I see her, maybe I'll say hi. But my last experience with her uh, was at Deep Purple. And I went to go see Deep Purple, and she's like, comes up, why are you wearing those camouflage pants? They look stupid on you. And I said, why are you even near me? You know, it's like, you, you just look stupid on me, even though she's hot as fuck. But I was like, just get away from me, you drunk idiot. And then um, after the show... Ruben Delarosa,
1: I love that guy.
0: Saw her and he goes, he goes to her, hey, where's Ralph? She's like, Ralph,
1: fuck Ralph, <laughs> fuck so that bitch. I'm, like, I, I would slit her throat with a broken fucking CD I paid a dollar ninety nine of uh, the cutout bin of fucking Chinese democracy. Don't oh. you say,
0: don't you dare say that about the girl that made me want to see my future, my future girlfriend's fuck a bunch of guys at the same time. I'm sorry. Don't you talk about the girl that severed my ugly emotion that is called jealousy. Don't you dare say such evil things about a girl that destroyed me enough to make me a better man.
1: I'm Thank sorry, you. that chick is hot, and she's got some nice fucking titties, but she made you like Chinese democracy, and she deserves an ass-whooping for that.
0: Yeah, I gotta admit, man, I remember when I was dating her, and I was with her for a long time. I would always like look at hot chicks, going, my chick's hotter than you, man. You know, oh, I was really, I was really proud at that time, but now, now in retrospect, dude, give me a, give me a girl less attractive with a better, like you know, human emotion any fucking day, you know. <laughs> Over that, how,
1: how about Greg Barnes?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, he hooked me up with that. Um, that made him bootleg. So I'll definitely let him. Yeah. It'll, I'm going to let Greg have the honor to be the first guy to suck me off. Thank
1: nice. You. Nice.
0: There you go, Greg.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of somebody who likes to suck dick, we have an amazing first time guest on this episode. Uh, I can't believe it took this long to get this guy on here. He's a total fucking super fan. We've both met him, hung out with him. He has done so much to help the show and promote.
0: <laughs> You're saying he sucks dick? Where's that coming from? Steven well, Kirsch is old man, baby. Oh well, yeah, I forgot he likes Bon Jovi, yeah.
1: Yeah, Bon Jovi, that's where I was going. <laughs> and my and my mother loves him. Uh, the yeah, but who doesn't on... your mother love? <laughs> uh, well, for twenty bucks. Uh um, the one and only Hasidic headbanger, Steven Kirsch is now gonna join us to review gary moore's 1985 album run for cover all right now it's time to review the 1985
0: gary moore album what's the name of it again run for cover yes and uh ian i believe someone paid and is gonna be here to review it with us who's that
1: oy vey we've got the Hasidic headbanger himself steven kirsch is with us for believe it or not the first time on the show Woo! All yes. right,
2: uh, Good to be here. And I'm Presbyterian, by the way. I'm not Jew. <laughs> sure.
0: You, ha- you have not confused with me. I'm a Jubin. <laughs>
2: I'm all, I'm all Jew. I wish I was I was the first Jew on, but I think Max Powers took that away from me. But there you go.
0: <laughs> oh, no, no. Greg Barnes is Jewish. Oh, is no. he real? No, no. I forgot. He's gay. That's what it was. <laughs> I, I, I get Jewish people and gay people um, confused. Now, now, if you're going to call me a homophobe for saying that, then you must be anti-Semitic.
1: Oh, yeah, uh, but, but Steve, you, S- Stephen is English, so he's all three. I'm not even a minute into this, and you're
2: already correct
0: <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Stephen is like the only guest we've ever had that I've actually met in person, right? I, I think. Has we, have we ever, ever had anybody else? Because all my friends down here in Florida don't even listen to us. But then, then again, don't get offended, and they don't listen to my
1: radio show. They don't watch my YouTube things. <laughs> oh, then, I, know. I know. None of my friends listen to either. <laughs>
0: they don't call. They don't write. They ignore me. But maybe uh, am I the first one to meet both of you?
1: Uh, I think so. Other than uh, your no, no, your Scott
0: Scott Green. Oh,
1: right. yeah, Scott Green. right Scott Green, Scott right. Green. And uh, but and, does and, he really count? <laughs> no, no. He's not uh, human. I, he's fired. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. But, uh, no, yes, we have both met you. You've been over to my house. You've ate my cooking and lived to tell about it. Yeah, it, it was kosher, kosher sausages. It was all good. <laughs> yes, yes, sausage <laughs> and beans. What an English meal for you.
0: <laughs> I ate at your house. I caught diabetes, but I ate at your house. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> But a uh, no, uh, very nice guy, man, and, and you gave both of us awesome gifts, the, the necklace you gave me and the key. Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And, and the necklaces that you gave me, I actually wear on stage. I, I wanted to buy an extra copy, but old Steven here d- w- wouldn't allow that shit. Really pissed me off, Steven. You wouldn't let me pay for the second one. But he well, sent every, me two every, different and, ones.
2: Every now and again, the the, the Jewishness goes away from me. And, yeah. Uh,
0: wow, what an anti-Semite we got here.
1: Yeah,
0: but uh, but but yeah, I wear that proudly on stage, and uh, there are a lot of people that come up to me like, "Wow, what is that? Where'd you get that?" You know, a lot of people ask me. It's a really cool. One of them's melting your skull. One of them's grip jaw, and they both say "Doctor Fuck" on it. And uh, and, and a keychain too. Yeah. Oh,
1: oh yeah, mine's awesome, and it, it, it says "I like the other guy better."
0: Also, <laughs> oh, it's accurate.
1: But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh no, man Steve you've been a long time uh listener to the show longtime fan you also uh were the man responsible for hooking us up with uh, with Darren from yep. Lizzie. oh and, yeah uh, that was
0: great
1: yeah yeah what a, what a great great episode that was if listeners haven't heard that go back and listen to that he was such a nice guy and that was all thanks to you Steven so thank you very much that was really cool you're welcome. Thank you, Jew.
2: Thank you, <laughs> <laughs> Let's oh, just... All right.
0: it. Why? He's Jewish.
2: <laughs> Dude, you cannot... You, I know you'll try, but you cannot offend me, sir. So. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, oh, no, no, yes. No, no, oh, no. yes, we can. Wait, wait, wait. Steven, I, got, I gotta call you out on one thing. Oh, God, uh, is this about Bon Jovi? Yes. But <laughs> this guy, this guy, I noticed, gets so butthurt over Bon Phony Hate. I've noticed it. And even on a comment that you did on one of my posts, I don't remember what it was, but it was some post that, what was it, Stephen, that you, I posted something and then you just like, started an argument with me, whatever the hell I said. And in that comment, when you were like arguing with me, you said, well, you know, they, you, the whole Bon Jovi thing on your podcast page is getting old. And it's like, do you realize what fucking page this page about? You know, people bash everything. So, yes, it's very easy to offend this Jew. <laughs> well, huh? I, I like him. I well, wait, it's cool, sure. dude. It's cool you can like Bon Jovi all you want. It's, but, you there's, know, it's cool for us to hate him, you know? What the hell? not? Oh, know. There, there's worse
2: bands out there. Right? <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think. <laughs> I know, personally I know one of them that you both agree on, so.
1: Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. There's a, there's a man we hate worse than exactly. Bon Jovi
0: exactly <laughs> yeah I'll give you that yeah
1: <coughs> but I don't know if he ever joins van Halen,
0: yeah no that, then, yeah yeah no it would be a tie if that guy was to join band Van Halen
2: forget it what Van Jovi would be fantastic oh my god <laughs> yeah all right
1: all right great having you thanks Steve that, uh,
0: that, that uh, just goes to show like how bad Sammy Hagar was with Van Halen they happen they happened to open for Bonfoni up there in England I would, somewhere I that's seen
2: that show. I was at that show. Oh boy, yeah.
0: Did you like Van, uh, Van Halen? But like I, Agar? It was.
2: I'm. I'm not. I'm more of a Roth fan. Um, I went because Thunder were on the bill. Who you know, you probably know. I. I know they're not big in, in the states, but right. Thunder, are favorite bands. They. They were on the bill, and I used to go and see them whenever I could. So I would always go and see them. Uh, I liked Bon Jovi at the time, and uh, so. I, and I love Eddie Van Halen. I don't care who's playing with. I could just sit and watch him play constantly. There. Doesn't oh, there,
0: need any There you go. That's why when I got offered a free ticket to see 5150 tour, that's the only main reason I went. Plus, Bachman Turner Overdrive is like, "Well, I kind of like taking care of business. I'll go see that and I'll go see Eruption." So, that's why but after I saw that 5150 show, I was like, man, I don't even want to see Eddie again. It was so bad. <laughs> well,
2: yeah, no, no, he's awesome, I know. But obviously, I, I, I went. I remember went to see Sammy uh, and uh, when Dave when they did that joint tour, they played at the, you know, at the fairgrounds in, in Palm Beach.
0: Yeah, oh, Ian, so- Ian, Ian was there, too.
1: Yeah, we were all at the same show.
0: Yeah. Oh,
2: right, yeah. And, uh, yeah, Dave Roth came on, set, you know, he headlined it that night. Yes, 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 um, yes. But yeah, I mean, it was, I don't know, I thought it was too much just the two of them together, you know, the whole show, you know, but I'd rather, i just seen Dave, but um, it wasn't the deal, you know. But yeah, I mean, I'm obviously I'm more of a, a Roth fan, he's, he's my boy, he's, he's my do boy, so. Uh, okay.
0: and, and, and I saw, the last time I saw Van Halen was with Steven.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, thanks. I that's,
0: had no yeah. idea, you know, a, a little, I don't know if you'll get in trouble for this, Steven, but Steven smoked crack with us that night.
1: Nice. nice. Yeah.
0: and a bacon sandwich. Yeah, and, and, yeah.
2: <laughs> and brought a lighter. And I, and I put the tip back on my dick, and now.
1: Like... <laughs> oh boy, and we're off to the races. Oh man. So, so Stephen, you picked, and and just to let our <coughs> listeners know. There will be even more Jew jokes on the sequel because you paid for two episodes. We're not going to announce what the next one is, but this is the first of two. But this time, you picked, of course, a Thin Lizzy-related album because this is Gary Moore. And uh, so, why don't you give us a little backstory on, uh, you know, not only your love for Gary Moore, but why you picked this album in particular?
2: Alright, well, um obviously the connection is Lizzie, like you said. I you've already done a few Lizzie episodes, so I know they're not the most loved band on your on your podcast and show Fuck so. them. <laughs> so I know, I mean it's Lizzie have been covered pretty well and um so I just I thought, well, Gary Moore you, you haven't done him yet. I'm actually surprised you haven't done any Gary Moore stuff yet, because I know he's universally loved for his uh, for his playing. And um, I thought this particular album was a good one because it's got two uh, lineup tracks on there which, which I love. so um, I wanted to kind of at least I can get to talk a little bit about Lizzie, but we'll keep it more about Gary Moore and, and all that. but uh, I I saw him on this tour. Um, I remember when the I've seen him a couple of times live and I've actually met him as well. so um, yeah, he's he's just been around for as long as I can remember, so he uh, was you know, I love the guy.
0: Right on Awesome I I have an interesting story How I discovered Gary Moore Which I um, You know Since Thin Lizzy's not big here I did own A copy of Bad Reputation As a little kid I took a chance on it I knew I knew Jailbreak And I knew Alive and Dangerous That's all I knew And all three doesn't feature Gary Moore Right So I didn't really know Who Gary Moore was Till I was in a Youth fair The youth fair here in Dade County Um I was in in traffic trying to get into the youth fair and on the radio they played End of the World. And oh, it's okay. a, and you know, the end of the world for all you that know that song, it starts with a, a guitar solo that's like uh like what, two minutes long? Yeah, it's awesome. A shredding, insane guitar solo. And I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? You know, listening to this and uh and then we finally get in, and the song is still playing. And I told the guy, Don't turn off the car. I want to know who the <laughs> fuck that was. I want the the guy in the radio to announce it. And I think they played after that, like Too Shy Shy or something from Kaja Gugu. And everybody's pissed at me. I'm like, No, wait, wait, wait. And then they played like Meat low Paradise by the Dashboard Lights. It's like, God damn it, can't you pick a fucking shorter song? so everybody's just standing around waiting for me and I'm like, I gotta find out who that was you know, and then finally the guy came out oh, that's Gary Moore and, uh, and I was like, oh my god, I gotta find this Gary Moore guy and soon after I bought Corridors of Power and uh, yeah, and then after that I bought Victim of the Future and all the albums in, in, um, in order and like Steven, I did get Still Got the Blues and I was like it's good, but I, I prefer the hard, more hard rock and stuff And I got After Hours after that. And I think I I stopped. But still.
2: Exactly what I did. Same thing.
0: Yeah, After Hours is where I stopped. And um, I will say, uh, my favorite guitar players, Edward Van Halen, Randy Rhodes, Gary Moore. Gary Moore is up there. And the thing I love the most about Gary Moore is that he's a shredder, but he's got the emotion. He's like the full package. Yeah. And you know i listen to, and i mean there's certain things he does that makes you know the fur rise on my arm like spanish guitar is a great great example the emotional playing on spanish guitars and empty rooms and just the things he does when he gets emotional i can't wait till tomorrow there's just something that each note like bleeds it's like so soulful and so ama- amazing so he's a sh- and he can shred with the best of them and he's got that tone that he's just Fucking foreign and that's my Gary Moore thing. And I've never seen him live, by the way. So I, I envy you, Stephen. I met
2: him. I met him once uh, on the Victims of the Future. I remember my dad. He was doing a signing session in a record store. So my dad dropped me off. I ran in, got online, I met him for a minute. He signed it, said hi, whatever, and that was it. And then I saw them on the. Uh, I saw him on the Run for cover, and then on the next album, um, Over the Hills and. Uh, I forgot what it's called.
0: Yeah, wow. Wild Frontiers.
2: Yeah. yeah. they were the two times that I saw him, and uh, and then I met him that one time. But yeah, awesome stuff.
0: Very cool. How awesome. about you, Ian? Um.
1: Well, actually, see, like growing up, I was a Thin Lizzy like a greatest hits guy. I had I had dedication, and I loved that. But for whatever reason, I never dug deeper into their catalog till probably about ten years ago. And then I started getting into, you know, to the Lizzie albums, and, and and man, you know, discovered like, wow, you know, why wasn't I, uh, you know, listen to this earlier? And still, it was a uh, the Gary Moore stuff was like the last, like uh, Black Rose was one of the last ones I got into. But I'd always see Gary Moore in the early '90s when I thought I was going to end up being a guitar player. He was in every like guitar world. You know, Guitar for the Practicing Musician, all those magazines, you would always see some shit. I'm Gary Moore, and I don't know why I never gave a chance. I think it's like, well, that was like his blues time, but he just had this weird look, like he didn't look like the, you know, like an Eddie Van Halen, and it's just like, I don't know, just I never went out of my way to check him out, uh, until, Ralph, you're the one who got me to check him out with Corridors of Power. I saw you did the the video, the Vieira vault video.
0: On yeah, that. I reviewed it on my YouTube channel.
1: Yeah, and uh, and I was like, I gotta check this shit out, and I really liked it, but it was so not what I was expecting it to be. I was expecting it to be more of like a shredder, um, you know, kind of thing, and I found it to be very A O R, you know, and. I, I gotta admit, like my favorite song off of that is uh Fallin' in Love With You. Love it. I love that song. And and, 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 and more specifically, uh I got the the remaster that has the American remix of it to make yeah, it even I'll, more. I, I
0: was about to say that, that I heard that remix dude in the download age, like maybe twenty years after I bought that album. I was like, what right. the hell's this? I never heard this version. Yeah. To me and- to me it, that song kind of reminds me, it has like a disco feel to it.
1: Oh yeah, I was going to say, it reminds me of like Ambrosia or some shit like that. Now, I like that shit in small doses, but it it, it so wasn't, you know, I thought I was going to hear like an album of Eruptions or something or like some Satriani shit. You know, just because he was always in the shred books and stuff. Uh, but I was very taken back by it. Uh, like, wow, this... Could you know, like, song wise, it's kind of like almost like Richard Marks, but then it gets to a solo that well, I wouldn't
0: just... go that far. What the fuck you well, talking about? No, no,
1: I think what, I, what... I
0: think Corridors is a very hard rock album with a couple ballads, you know.
1: so Corridors is more rock album, that's why it's my favorite, but especially when I listen to stuff like this, it's very like I'm an adult contemporary, but then in the middle of the song, there'll be. This amazing solo. I mean, there was when I'm listening to this, there's songs where I'm just like I already gave up on it. I was like, Man, nah, this this ain't cut and then the solo kicks in, I'm like, Oh shit. Uh you know, but then where I differ from you guys is I started digging, you know, deeper into his stuff and when I heard the blues shit, I loved it. And I think that's true Gary Moore. And I I think he kind of had to get through this shit to get to where that's... I I, I think, you know, if he was still around and you could ask him, that's where he felt the most comfortable. Because it's, I don't know, a lot of his solo career, I just hear, like, somebody who's confused about what they want to do and has this talent. I think once he got into the blues albums, I think that's where he found what he really, what he really dug. And I I love the blues shit. But I, I... admittedly more of a blues fan than, than both of you guys. I know, Ralph, you're not big into blues no, shit. No, not really, no. So uh, so I found those albums uh, more enjoyable because I hear more of his guitar and his soul and less of like keyboards and 80s drums that I think ruined a lot, in, in my opinion, uh, of those 80s albums. Uh, and Another thing is probably discovering them now and not growing up with them like you guys did. You know, because there's there's other shit from that era that I love and, like, normally I would bitch about the keyboard, but I grew up with it. I have more history, but now not having the history and hearing a lot of this shit, it just sounds so so dated to me and so, like, ugh. But, you know, you can't deny the guitar playing.
0: The thing is that what you're talking about, and I know I'm going to give a spoiler here, it really, for me it reflected a lot on this album but i thought victim of the future in corridors didn't have that keyboard dated sound to it it really was two really exceptional hard rock albums you know with a few ballads but those ballads had a bite you know like like uh, you know like fall in love and uh, can't wait till tomorrow very mellow fucking song but with a with with a great great like emotional guitar player in that very heavy you know and uh, like they made a video for corridors um oh what's the name of the second song on there i'm always gonna love you and yeah. that's piano you know that's not even keyboards i don't right. i don't think there's even i mean there are keyboards on can't wait till tomorrow but i think that's it the rest is uh, one song of piano and the rest of the songs feature no keyboards whatsoever where this okay. album is full of keyboards
2: I think victims was his heaviest without doubt it heaviest. was
0: yeah it was his heaviest album i, I like, liked corridors more
2: but after after victims i feel he went more more celtic and then after that that's when he went blues i think he started to go regress not regress but you know go from the heaviest stuff and then drop back down again and then he went back into the blues but he, you know i wouldn't call victims like celtic feel whereas wild frontier was a very celtic feel and that's why I've, I know that Ian before said like you don't really like that Celtic sound like you don't right. like, like Rose, Rose uh, you know that kind of stuff and right. um uh, you know I, that Wild Frontier album especially was very very Celtic so. yeah
1: I haven't heard that one yet I mean I, I'm, I'm looking right now Uh I've heard Back on the Streets Corridors uh this one I haven't heard Victims of the Future yeah that yet.
0: one you should listen to. that's yeah. like the heaviest one
1: yeah. yeah that'd be your favorite one yeah. And, and and one uh, well, I, I don't, I'm gonna mention the other one later, uh, that I really got into because it's gonna be my pick of the week. Spoiler alert. But yeah, uh,
0: and also the the reason that Gary I think went blues, uh, that still um, still got the blues. I think I was I think at the time, it was just he wanted to do a blues album, and I don't know if he would have stayed that way. But the thing is, still got the blues in the states was his. Uh, most um, popular album and even he even ended up on David Letterman and still got the blues and he got a lot of press from that album and and you know and then he became huge in the blues market and that's why I think he stayed there but he was never he never really took off here ever you know and and he was pushed you know I mean I remember MTV playing uh, Shapes of Things a lot when it first came out and I saw Over the Hills a few times and and also out in the fields from this one. But it didn't do anything. But then still got the blues. Like propelled them, You know, not, not to superstar status. But way bigger than he was during the heavy period. So and I think the problem with Gary Moore. And I have no problem with it. But I think his vocals aren't really, uh, yeah. you know, they're they're an acquired taste. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not a, it, it, it's, a, it's um, a different type of vocal. It's not really... What you I'm were. a fan of his vocals. I love his personally. vocals, I'm just saying, but for the mass right. media, it, it won't it won't fly. And I think that's what held them back because everything else about him was just jaw dropping, you know?
1: Well and, and also I I think he's kind of hard to categorize because I, I think we'd all agree he's not a metal guy. No. You know what I mean? And uh you know, these albums are coming out at a time when it's, you know, Death Leopard and Motley Crue and stuff like that and he's not that in any way shape or form uh, you, know, you know so I, I don't know if it's like you know, you know to be a guitar player in that era that you know wasn't like an Eddie Van Halen or a Joe Satriani I, I think he was just a weird fit but you couldn't deny his talent you know but he was just kind of he was definitely different than everybody else in for
0: guitar mind. geeks in the 80s he was huge, but yes. you know that that's a small portion of of record buyers, you know. But he was well known. I mean, growing up, I mean, in the '80s, a lot of you know my guitar player friends they would all point to Gary Moore as one of their favorites, rightfully so. I mean, but and I and I also thought he was kind of criminally underrated as a solo artist. in his head. like like Victim and Corridors to me are fucking perfect albums. I listen to those albums still to this day. I love the fuck out of those albums. And I even liked uh, the Celtic album, too. Um, I, I I enjoyed it, but I like Celtic music when it's done heavy, you know? So I had no problem with that. The stuff before it, like G-Force and stuff like that, which is good, but I think he came to his own on Corridors' where to me. It really grabbed me, you know? He also had a, ba- a band called Coliseum that was more of um jazz fusion kind of kind of i don't know if i'm picking the right word but it's more a musicians type thing but it's pretty damn good as well but you know i have to be in the mood for policy
2: well gary moore he's a guitarist guitarist that's really what he is yeah. i mean didn't really appeal to the mass you know commercial side of, of everyone but he was definitely you you ask any guitarist and they'll tell you gary moore for sure you know of course yeah, he's amazing
0: and 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 a scrapper he loved to fight.
2: Yeah, well, that's isn't that how he got his face? on. yeah. You know? And he's,
0: look at his face. I mean, it looks like he got he got beat up quite a bit. You know, I think it's
2: like bottles. It looks yeah, I was like yeah, it looks it like looks you know like he, yeah cut.
0: yeah it looks like knives or bottles like on his face. Yeah. But, yeah. but yeah, and and to this day, it's still a mystery to me. The one and only time I had my chance to see um, Thin Lizzy was when they opened for Journey at the Miami Highlight on the Black Rose Tour. But it's a big what if, if Gary was there or not. Because I know he left mid-tour, so I'm not sure if he was at that show. So I did have an opportunity to see him, but my buddy pissed off his dad while we were at the beach in the daytime of that day. And then his dad's like, I'm not taking you now to the show. So we were going, man. Damn you, Yai. I
2: I just want to say one more thing about the show that I went to see. um, Just related to, you mentioned on another podcast. When I saw him, there was a band that opened up for them who I liked at the time. They're still going. They're much more of a bluesy kind of band. They're called FM. And they did. Uh, they had a big, a, a relatively hit called um, That Girl, which I am Maiden covered. You'd mentioned before I am Maiden. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, made that.
0: yeah. I like that and, song. That's a B-side from Somewhere in Time, I think.
2: Yeah, that's right. And I, it was just an odd song for them to cover because these guys were, you know, keyboard, you know, AOR kind of stuff. Uh, they're still going today, and they're, they're a great band. I don't know if they're your kind of stuff, but more bluesy, blues-based rock. But yeah, I just thought I'd throw that in. that they, they opened. I used to see them a lot back in the day. They were a good band. But uh, that's who opened for Gary Moore. That, that's one of the times I saw them. cool. Nice.
0: cool. Yeah, Gary Moore's never been down here, uh, at least after Corridors. He's never played South Florida, or else I would have gone seeing him for sure. As far as I know, did he ever do? I know he opened for Def Leppard. During the Pyromania, he did like a a, a leg of that, but you know, I, really? saw that, wow. yeah, I saw that tour, but it was with a crocus, uh, but wow. he did, he did tour with on the Pyromania tour. He did one of those legs and I can't remember. I think he did open for maybe like a priest or something like that in the eighties. But as far as I know, I don't recall Gary Moore doing solo shows like during the heavy years uh, across America, but I could be wrong.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I was in England that time, but I've been in Florida. You know, I was in Florida for 20 years, and it never – I always used to look to see if anybody Lizzie related or anyone really back from the day would come in, but no one really used to come to Florida, South Florida, to play. Definitely still, not him. Still the same. Yeah, but I know. Some things don't
0: change, but, you know, the 80s, we were getting it. I mean, we were getting the big arena shows and stuff like that, so I, uh, I can't complain about the 80s. But, yeah, once uh, Grunge kicked in, that's when all the bands stopped coming down here. <clears throat> but uh all right man so steven why don't you take the first song the title track
2: all right um i think this is a great opener it's very heavy uh, you, you know uh, it's a great life song i remember i think he opened for that i think that's what he used to open with um i like the vocals uh, you know i like everything about it um i just think it's a great song you know we covered you know every solo he does it doesn't matter if the song is good or bad He's he's great on it but it's just it's a great rocker I, I like albums that start that get you right into it you know um and that's what this this song does gets you right in there it's not over the top with the keyboards which is a bit of a problem for me with this album particularly but um yeah, it's a great song perfect song
0: ian
1: uh holy shit. <laughs> did this sound uh wow when, when it first came out the speakers i was just thinking just like generic '80s, and it sounded like something that would would be in a in a montage in an '80s film. Like this would be like in a training scene in No Retreat, No Surrender uh, Seven. Uh, I was I was really like, uh, uh, what the fuck is this? And then the solo kicked in, and I was like, okay, don't give up hope, don't give up hope. But man, just hearing uh, the production on it. Uh, and, you know the drums. Oh man! And I was—the first thing I did is I was like, "Who produced this shit?" And then I went, "Look, there's like six producers on this album." Uh, let's see. Andy Johns does a couple. Gary Moore does one. Peter Collins, Bo Hill, Mike Stone. And I don't think anybody hits the mark. As far as production, but then again, I mean, I mean, maybe this sounded perfect in '85, and and again, if I grew up with it, it might not bother me as much. But just hearing it now, it just it just sounds really dated. But man, when it gets to that fucking solo, I was like, okay, okay, now I get all the respect for this guy because that solo was just smoking. But the rest of the song uh, sound like it could be on a Rocky IV soundtrack. What do you think, Ralph?
0: Well, uh, I did get this in 85 when it, when it was new or no, no, that's wrong. I got it in 86. Uh, I bought this because uh, the first time I saw anything about this was the Out in the Field video on Headbangers Ball, which was January of 86. And after they played the video, Dee Snyder was hosting uh, Heavy Metal Mania. And that's when I found out Phil died because he said, oh, that was out uh, featuring Phil, uh, who just, you know, passed away because Phil could be wrong. I think he passed away around Christmas time the year prior.
2: It was like January 5th, 86, January 4th, 86.
0: Okay, yeah, it was early January. But uh, like I said, I did buy this in 85 on the strength of that song. And I got to say, even for me, I was kind of like taken back. I was like, I'm not really a fan of these keyboards on this album. Because this was like the first one to have this like, you know, AR, you know, dated keyboard sound. And, you know, right when you put on right for cover, it's like right from the start, I hear a more commercial keyboard slant to the more rocking Gary Moore era that was before this. But uh, I do like this song. I think it has great hooks and a slamming guitar solo. But, you know, I expect nothing less from one of the greatest guitar players in history. But uh, this would be one where if they just erase the keyboards, man, on this whole album, or, or a different sound of keyboard because I think this album's got some great, great fucking songs. It's just the keyboards. And you know what Ian said earlier, and I said this a billion times and I'll say it again. I don't know what bad production is, you know, like, Ian was talking about the drums. Drums sound fine to me, but I don't really I, it doesn't do none. But boy, these keyboards, it's like hard. I mean, that's where I can, you know, production or not, it's the sound of the keyboards that I'm like, oh, man. And I think maybe it was probably pressure on Gary to add, you know, you, you need to be a little more commercial, because the three albums before ain't doing it, you know? And this is a guy that's on a, what label was he on? I know Portrait uh, was, uh, uh, EMI. EMI was like, come on, dude, you're, you're ready to three albums for us, and we're not seeing even a gold album. Do something! So I think that's why this album has that keyboard sound, which was very popular in 85, but I didn't like it. I didn't like it back then, and I don't like it today, but I'll take the next track, which is "Reach for the Sky," which I think is a cool tune. It's a more mid-tempo, bluesy tune. Uh, I'm again, the keyboards to me ruin it, though. Uh, it sounds like gay raindrops. I think that's the only way I can fucking, <laughs> you know. But again, it's my only complaint with the song. Take that out, and and this is a killer groove, you know that that would shine. Without those keyboards, so that's what I think for "Reach for the Sky," Stephen.
2: Um, I, I like it. I think it's a good song, but I think it's a bad placement. I don't think it should have been. And it's just me personally. I like to get a good couple of rock songs in at the beginning. And uh, to me, it, it can't really decide if it's is it a rocker, is it a mid-tempo. I like the riff of it, you know. But again, it's just it, it should have been placed further on in the album. Uh, I think it, it would have been better having a, a heavier song second in. It's a good song, but bad placement, really. Again, and as far as guitar solos and stuff, I mean, I'll be saying that for every song. That's what saves the weak songs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, this shows you how my opinion could change on this because uh, the first time I heard it, I mean, first thing when the song starts, again, I'm like, holy 80s, shit drums. You know, of course, great vocals by the one and only Glenn Hughes who I think is kind of a good fit with Gary Moore. And, you know, a lot of the sound of, uh, you know, early uh, 80s Gary Moore, I can kind of see, like, you know, kind of reminds me of the great Hughes Thrall album. Now, I, I think, you know, to me, that's a that, that's a perfect record uh, that's in this kind of genre of, like, it, it's kind of hard rocking but it's AOR at the same time. Uh, so I, I think Glenn Hughes is, is a good fit You know, if that's the sound he's going for But man, on, on the second uh, Run through of this song I decided it was my favorite And I liked how there, You know, there's a couple changes in the song uh, Where, you, oh, okay I like I like where it goes right here You know, and then it kind of changes again uh, You know, yeah the, the keyboards and the drums I'm really not a fan of But, uh and it, it, it's hard for Glenn Hughes to really fuck up a song. It's not impossible. But uh, but y- you combine Glenn's vocals with fucking Gary's guitar solo and a couple interesting changes. Makes it my favorite song on the album. I dig it. Well, why don't you take the next one? All right. Military Man featuring the one and only Phil LaNotte. And, oh... I don't know. I'm sorry. Two run-throughs on this, and this song was just a mess to me and went on way too long. Uh, I, I love Phil. Uh, I, I think he's a great songwriter, amazing singer. Uh, but this this one just reminds me of a Lizzie song that just doesn't hit the mark. Uh, and I wanted to like it so bad, of course, you know, because it's Gary and Phil, but... Uh, you know, maybe my opinion will change. You know, I'll, I'll give the album a couple more plays, but on uh, the first first two, this song just sounded like a disjointed mess to me. But I'm sure Steven has a different opinion. What do you think?
2: Yeah. Oh man, that breaks my heart. Um, this is my favorite song on the album. Uh, I, I just think I knew it as a grand slam song, which was Phil's band after Lizzie. I have numerous live recordings of it, and I just thought it was a great song. It almost. I don't know. I wouldn't say an emerald vibe, but it does remind me of Emerald. Um, which I know you don't like, I don't think, Ian. And um
1: uh, I, I don't hate it, but I, I don't get the worship for it that most people do.
2: I, I just think when Lina you know, when Lina and uh and Gary Moore get together, I just think it's magical. I really do. And I think this this is my favourite song on the album, not because it's it's Phil, but I just think together they're amazing. The solos are great. I love the slow pieces in the middle. I love the, the topic that they're singing about. I love lining vocals. Um vocals. You know, I just think it's amazing. I just think it's a fantastic song. And I think it, it would have been a fantastic Lizzie song. Um, best song on the album, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Uh, Steve, let me ask you something real quick, because uh, I know you know a lot of history. Uh, I mean, what was the reason that that Gary never really stayed in Lizzie because they did make such a great team together. They, they didn't uh, along very well. They they were they oh, all yeah. Oh that that's what it was? It was personality clashes? Okay. Yeah,
2: absolutely, yeah. Because well look, Gary Moore wants to be his own, you know, by you can tell by all his solo stuff. He wants right. to be the guy and Phil's very much it's my songs, my band kind of attitude. And, uh, yeah, I mean, on all the books that I've read and stuff, it's, they were friends and they loved each other, but they fought like hell. And so that's oh, why he was okay. in and out. Cause he was in a very early incarnation of Liz. Right. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. He was in before Eric bell, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So he, um, and I know, you know, they didn't speak for a long time and this is when they kind of got back together again and they did out in the fields and it was a hit. And then he started appearing as special, you know, coming on for of encores and they were doing TV shows together and that's where they really kind of got back together again. But before that, they, they, they used to fight. They didn't slam each other in the press or anything, but they just did not get along. Creative differences, all that nonsense.
1: I gotcha. Okay. Ralph, what do you think of Military Man?
0: Oh, uh, I think Phil sounds amazing on this song, especially my favorite part of this song is the little mellow section. Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, I think it's a great song. I love this song and, um, I have this compilation CD of his too. I think it's called the Early Years. Uh, and they they added this song to it, which is great. I, I think it's a great song and uh, one of my favorites on here. Actually, you know the ones with Phil are like are like my favorites on here. Uh, I love Military Man. Why don't uh, why don't you take uh, Empty Rooms there, Stephen? Uh,
2: well, obviously this was on Victims of the Future. I'm not. I guess it was a commercial reason that they put it on this album again. Um, I actually prefer this version than the uh, than the victim's uh, version. I don't really know why. I just, I think it's a great song. Again, you have to remember, I know Ian's struggling with this album, but I mean, I've had this album for 30 years. So, I, I mean, I know these songs inside out, even the ones I don't really like. Uh, I think it's a great version. I think it's a great song. I'm, I don't love slow stuff all the time, but this is a it's, it's a great song. Again, I don't know like I know repeat myself, but the guitaring is what makes it, but that's why you buy a Gary Moore album. That's what you want. So yeah, great song. I love it.
0: Well, I have owned it also for 30 years, Stephen. but I don't know it from inside out because it is one that I don't play much. Uh, though I do own it. And, uh, and, but I do play victim of the future. Hello, a lot. Uh, not as much corridor is the one I play the most. And I would say I like the, cor- uh, the victim version more. I think again, and another amazing ballad, uh, and, you know, I just think this version's kind of still thick with the piano and keyboards, 280 sounding. It buries underneath this amazing tune that that I, I, that's why I prefer the Victims version. But again, this is one of those songs with one of those solos that saves it for me. And it's one of my favorite um, Gary Moore ballads. So that's what I think of Empty Rooms. I just love his voice on it too. It's very emotional. Uh, what do you think, Ian? Um...
1: Uh... Not a big fan of this one I did see that You know it was re-recorded From the previous album Which probably does back up What you were saying Ralph About you know Record company pressure They're probably like Hey uh, That's a good song But you know Throw on some keys Give it a little bit more Of the Mr. Mr. vibe And maybe you'll have a hit And I believe This this was a single Off the album Uh, I could be
0: wrong But I think Isn't there a video for this?
1: I could be wrong. But uh, I, I see it was released as a single, but, I mean, was it released as a single off of this album or off the previous album?
0: Well, I don't know, because uh, MTV did yeah. not play this at yeah. all.
1: It, yeah. I think,
0: in
2: England, I think it was a single. Um, it was I'm pretty sure it was a single. Can I, yes. and I'm pretty sure there was a video, too. Yeah. Why, why would they put it on again if they're not going to try and re-release it?
1: Because they obviously want it to be a hit. Right, it says it reached number twenty-three on the UK charts. Yeah, yeah I do remember it. Uh, but it's one of those. It really, you know, and I'm not the ballad guy. There, you know, there's there are exceptions, but it made me want to go back and, uh, you know, visit the Victims of the Future uh, record, see if I like it better on that one. I got a feeling I'm probably gonna, if it's not as draped with the you know the keys and everything, not a horrible song, but just not my bag, man. Not not, not that big of a fan. Let's take the next one. (laughs) All right. The next one is Out of My System. And this is once again featuring uh, Glenn Hughes on vocals. Uh, No. No. To me, uh, Glenn can't save this one. I just think it's a weak song. Uh, So, you know, I I can't say Glenn sings bad on it or uh, Gary plays bad on it. I just don't think it's a, that memorable of a song. It just seems like a, a filler, seems like a B-side. And as a matter of fact, uh, this song wasn't on the original release. This was on the CD release, but not the not the original, I guess, vinyl and cassette version. Uh, and I can see why it was left off. It really doesn't do anything for me. What do you think, Steve?
2: Yeah, it does nothing for me. I mean, I don't like it nor dislike it. I mean, it's just there. Um, I tried to listen to it this morning a couple more times and it's okay, but I mean if they took it off the album I mean I probably back in the day I, I bought the record. It probably wasn't on. I have the CD now um, I, it, it, it could take it or leave it. I mean it does nothing for me and like I said with Glenn Hughes it, Again, you can't say this one. It is it, a nothing song. It's an absolutely nothing song
0: Well, <clears throat> I, I, I also listen I actually took notes. This is very rare even though I'm, I'm well aware of this album, like I said earlier, I don't play it that much. But I did take notes. And listening to this song, I thought, man, if this album was just remastered and eliminate those damn keyboards and give it the Corridor's victim of the future treatment, I think this would be a, a, a good song because it is more rocking. And I, again, I'm a huge fan of Glenn Hughes. But yeah, the keyboards kill it for me. It, it really does taint my perspective of this song so I'm kind of like I don't know it's hard for me to say it's a shitty song I can just say it's a shitty keyboard song so I think if you eliminate that I think it would be more more my speed like the next one which uh, for me is the best song on here is out in the fields the first one I heard even the 80s keyboard can't kill this one for me uh, you know, I, actually, I wouldn't want it removed. And I know it sounds very 80s and shit with the little parts, you know. But if, uh, like I said, the first time I heard this was on Heavy Metal Mania and found out Phil died after this. And back then, I would record it, you know, on my VCR and, and I would play it back. And I was like, man, I got to go buy this album. And, and just Gary and Phil trading off vocals is so badass. You know, Phil just sounds so cool on this track, he sounds like a pimp the way his voice is you know he usually did sound like a pimp all the time actually and yes it is definitely my favorite song off the album I love it what do you think Ian
1: yeah this one did nothing for me oh, and, and, and and again I wanted to like it but and you know, you know hey my opinion can change look Ralph didn't like Fair Warning the first time he fucking heard it you know so maybe my opinion will change but again I was like looking forward to this song I was like alright get feeling. Let, let's get that good you know magic back and to me this uh, really didn't do anything but apparently I'm in the minority because uh, this went to number three on the Irish singles charts and number five in the UK uh, and it probably didn't hurt you know that that it was a very topical song about the the troubles of North Ireland but uh and what's the deal with that by the way anyway I don't I don't know the full thing there You're English well, what's the fucking deal? Like the the English own Ireland, or what the fuck are they doing?
2: <laughs> I, I ain't getting into this. No, <laughs> you, you you can't, you it,
0: can't answer. It, I mean, don't get into it, Stephen. But does it have like? Isn't it the same problem that they uh, that Braveheart had?
2: I I really don't know. I don't know enough. I really don't know enough about it. But I mean, <laughs> I I live. You know, I'm from Manchester and. You know, I grew up with the IRA bombings. And Manchester was bombed. And, you know, I heard the explosion go off. It ripped apart a mall. That you know where where I I mean, so I have a different perspective on it. I mean, look, war doesn't solve anything, as we know. But um, the the whole reason it goes back many many years. I mean, you would probably have to ask uh, James McCormack. He'll be he'll give you. It'll give you a better rundown it.
0: I think I think James McCormick and you should get in a boxing ring and settle this shit for world peace.
1: But uh, yeah, you both two I mean, angry is, guys. Is that, is that the thing? That, does England run North Ireland or some shit like that? Is that the deal? I mean, you you, you can you can say that without getting into your opinion. You
2: know, I, I'm, I'm honestly I'm saying I don't know exactly. You know, um, I mean, I lived with it for a long time, but. Right. when I was younger, so I don't really know that much about it. I mean, I know, so I don't want to say anything and sound ignorant. I really don't know. So. Oh,
0: okay. No, and also, uh, like, you know, let's say if the shoe was on the other foot and it was us. You know, if you're born in England, you're going to get the propaganda that Ireland's bad and vice versa. So, yeah, I well, think it is best that, that Stephen should not even talk about this.
1: Well, no, no, but I, I mean, I mean, you because it might be
0: a biased review, but you know. You know, you gotta remember, man. I mean, even our great, great nation—that's the greatest country in the world, in my opinion. I mean, we do war atrocities all the time to other fucking countries that we don't really know because, to us, they're the bad guys. You know what I mean?
1: Right, right. But I mean, I mean, I'm not saying like like signs. I was just curious, you know. Because honestly, I, you know, you know, I don't know. I mean, are. I was just wondering, are they under control of the English, like, you know, uh, you know, like the British used to run fucking, uh, what, like Hong Kong, and the British were in control of somewhere in fucking India, right. I mean, is, is that the thing, like, they're just in control, and, and that's what the IRA is, I don't even know what the fucking IRA, I mean, I know they, like, bomb England, because they pissed at England, but I don't know why, is it, like, you, you know, they're under rule, English rule?
2: Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Again, I don't know the history of it. I really don't. So. Well,
0: anyway, tell you this. anyway I,
1: kids, that's what this song's about. Well, I can <laughs> tell
0: you this. England does rule at fucking heavy metal. And it really squashes fucking American metal. Take those apples, you fucking Yankees. Black Sabbath, Judas Priest, baby. Yeah. They destroy American right. metal. Thank you. So, All right. Uh, so you want
2: me to give you my input on out in the fields now as if you couldn't guess
0: yeah but but please go light on the irish okay
2: (laughs) um so yeah it's my second favorite song on the album after military man um i just think it's amazing i try and not be you know with line i try and look at it objectively but it's just a great song i I don't care what anyone says it's an amazing song And and i think this is a good example some of the songs, I've said this before on, on the Facebook page, but like someone, as an example, like Malmsteen, I think he's an incredible guitarist. But I think he works best when he was with someone like Joel Turner. I, that was my favorite album of his. I think they need guidance sometimes. And I think Lina and, and and Gary Moore together are just amazing. I mean, if they'd have done a solo album together and it was all like Anna Fields, Military Man stuff, it would have been incredible. And I think, you know, I think lineup just reigns him in a little bit, just helps the songs, really helps the songs because the two best songs on the album are Out in the Fields and, and Military Man. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that, that's because Phil was it was his input, you know,
0: Where, when you so, saw when you saw this tour and they played out in the fields, did he play it with that guitar he has in the video? Because that's a weird guitar. He has this little thing on the body. Where it's, I think, what is that? Like, is that a keyboard or strings or you know, you know? You saw the video, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's it's a string. It's just
0: I know. I, yeah, yeah, he does this thing with his fingers, like he plays it like a keyboard, and it does this really cool sound. Did he use that guitar when he played his live? Um,
2: I can't. I mean, you took. I can barely remember yesterday. Yeah, uh, man, <laughs>
0: Stephen, you know, you should fucking lay off the drugs when you go to show.
2: But I do remember when I, you know, when I saw them, uh, like I said earlier on, Lizzie uh, Lineup came out uh, at, for the encore and he did this and Still In Love With You. Um, uh, uh, you know, it was at Manchester and, and, uh, and it was about a few months before he died. And he came on as a special guest. They did this together and they did a lot of stuff on TV together. They were doing a lot of shows. They did, mili- you know, one show I saw they did Military Man, Out in the Fields and uh, Still In Love With You. And I actually had a CD, uh, not a CD, a single, seven inch single, double gatefold single. And uh, I think it was out in the field. I can't remember which album it was actually, uh, which song. And on the B-side was uh, "Out in the Fields" and "Military Man" from from the show I was at. And I actually had it on uh, on record. But when I moved to the States 20 years ago, I actually sold about 2,000 vinyl to like a second-hand, you know, used store for like 50 bucks. The whole thing. damn.
0: You should have sold to this second-hand dude.
2: Dude, I, I mean, had it known now, you know, then what I know now about vinyl. I mean, I had so many stuff signed stuff from all different bands everything oh and all my lizzie stuff i actually i know phil's mom and i met up with her and i actually gave all my lizzie stuff she has all my lizzie stuff had rarities everything um i even had a, a, a biker jacket that i had custom made with phil on the back and Lizzie. i loved. saw
0: that i saw that yeah Didn't and she I, put some i saw that somewhere online you gave it and she's like holding it right
2: yeah, she, well, what, she arranged to meet me one time and it was the first time I met her. You know, back in the day, uh, you know, with, with the fan clubs and stuff, I actually wrote to her, they did, um, a, every year they do something called Vibe for Philo. And um, it's, just all, it's just a celebration of Phil's music. And the very first time they did it was in a, a town called Wolverhampton, which was about an hour and a half from me. And I went there and it was all Lizzie fans and it was all bands all day playing. And some, you know, Brian Robertson was there, Brian Downey, Eric Bell and um and his mom was there She was like the guest of honor and i never got to meet her there were too many people around so i sent a letter to the fan club to her and i didn't tell anyone because i was i didn't want anyone you know give me a hard time and take making fun of me or whatever so i just sent her this letter told her what phil's music did for me and 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 how i wanted to meet her and i couldn't and i sent her a photo of the albert uh, of the shirt my jacket i mean and she actually, one night, I'm sitting in my room and she calls me. I had a private phone line with my brother. We shared our own line. And she calls me out of the blue and starts talking to me about the letter. And I knew it wasn't a joke because I hadn't told anybody. So she said she was coming to Manchester and would like to meet her. So she was going to see Phantom of the Opera and a matinee performance. So I was waiting outside to meet her. And I had my long hair and my bike and she said, wear the jacket. And uh, when she met me, there was a guy there from the local TV, uh, sorry, the local newspaper. And he was interviewing her because she just brought out the My Boy book. It was a, a book about him, about Phil, her version. And um, he, he wrote an article about me and I think that's probably what I posted. I probably posted that article. And uh, since then, she's always stayed in touch with me. She calls me every year or so. She sends, really? me, yeah, wherever I've moved, she sends me a um, St. Patrick's Day card. She's the nicest lady. She's invited me many times over to her house in Dublin to go and uh, see all all the stuff. I've just never had been able to get there, and uh, it's a shame. But yeah, that's um, so. Yeah, that that's the story of, of her and, and and my jacket and the vinyl and yeah. So I gave all my Lizzie vinyl to her, and my jacket is actually in um, in a museum in Ireland now, in, in Dublin.
0: That is awesome, dude. And I don't know uh, that picture I saw of her. With the jacket, I don't know if I knew you then, or maybe I did. I don't know. I yeah, just remember seeing that. Yeah, I'm sure I posted
2: it. Yeah, uh, on, on you know on the combat page, you know, rock and metal page. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's on my phone, so every now and again, if someone if it comes up, then I'll I'll, I'll post it. But yeah, it was, it was an amazing day. I mean, she actually met me, and then she took me. We went. Uh, she said Do you have some time, so I said yeah. So we went to a bar, which was. Uh, her friend owned and it was this was during the day and it wasn't open so we went to the bar. She said can you give me a ride there and we'll meet some friends so i said okay and at the time i was about i guess maybe 21 22 23 something like that and i actually had a lotus uh you know lotus to so she gets in my tiny sports car i got my long hair jacket she could barely get in barely get out we went to this place and uh, and she just pulled this a whole bunch of friends because she'd come over from Ireland for this um, for this uh, Phantom of the Opera thing and, um, and the interviews. So we were just chatting to her. And I was just chatting to her, and she had a whole bunch of friends wanting to talk to her. And she, she spent about an hour, an hour and a half, just talking to me about Phil, telling me uh, stories about him, um, you know, and, and asking me about my, you know, what was going on in my life and all this kind of stuff. The nicest lady, and then she started getting. She got a phone call from a guy while well, I'm talking to him called George Best, who I don't know if you have ever heard of him. He's a very famous soccer player from like the 70s. He he, he died.
0: Wasn't I mean, he in the Beatles for a little
2: while? <laughs> no, he was very good friends with Phil. And End of Song, Black Rose, he actually mentioned him at the end when he's kind of rocking off, and he says, "Georgie knows best" or something like that. And that was a reference to George Best. So she, he's he's like um you know a whole what do you call a Hall of Famer over here. So she starts talking to him on the phone and she goes, i got to go. I'm talking to, you know, a nice guy over here. And she spent about an hour and a half with me. Uh, and just for the record, she blames Jimmy Bain for Phil's death.
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow.
2: She said that he, he, uh, Phil had, listen, I'm sure there was more to it than that. And, and Phil knew what he was doing, but she said he was trying to get off it. And uh, she said that Jimmy Bain kept coming around. And giving him stuff and, and um, you know, and when he didn't really want to, he was trying to get clean. And, yeah, she she has a lot of resentment to Jimmy Bain.
0: Wow. What was the connection now with Jimmy Bain and Linat? What did they play together? Uh, Skid Row.
2: He was on Solo in Soho. He helped him on that. But he was also right. Wild Horses with Brian Robertson. Oh, Wild Horses, that's it.
0: Horse. That's right, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Oh, wow. But I think that's, it was just, that's they, were
2: good they were good buddies anyway. I mean, uh, you know, I guess they all knew each other on the circuit but yeah she oh my god she hated him i mean to hear a little old irish woman curse about jimmy Vane was something else
0: that's wild you know i saw his very last show in miami
2: yeah yeah i know yeah that's cool wow
0: that cool. that that i didn't know i mean i knew they they were friends but but then you know i mean again this is the mother talking so of course exactly it's hard for her to put the blame on phil but she does do have a point to an extent it's like Dude, you're a bad influence. He's trying to knock it, or who knows? Maybe Jimmy Bane didn't know that he wanted to stop doing it. You know? Who uh,
2: knows? All, I, all I can say is that that's what
1: she told me. She hates it with a passion. Uh, wow. Wow. And and uh, I mean, what an amazing story, though. You get, you know, you get to hang out with, you know, your idol's mother. I think that's pretty neat. You know? She's
2: very, very approaching. If you were in Ireland and you went in Dublin and you saw, went to a house. Right. No, He lives in the house that Phil used to live in. He gave it to her. And um, she she would take you to his grave. She would take you into the house. She would make you a cup of tea, you know, show you his room where she's got the big Lizzie logo. Uh, all this, you know, right. stuff. She, she very, very
1: loves talking to, to his fans. So Now, I, I know you recently moved from, from Florida. You're in New Jersey now. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, you say you're getting ready to close on your house next week. And you're at a friend's house right now. Yeah. Is it true that you're at John Bon Jovi's mother's house?
2: Yes, yes. She's very nice. She's, uh. <laughs> we're we're I'm staying in Sayerville. And, and uh.
1: <laughs> Does she have all your old John Bon Jovi vinyl?
2: Yeah, I, she, she showed me his, um, you know, his leather jacket with all the tassels and buckles on it. And... You had
1: that same jacket. I saw pictures. Yeah, oh, I, God. God. <laughs> I did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you, You've never seen that picture, Ralph?
0: <laughs> oh, no, oh, no, but oh, oh, God. I'm down he, for a laugh.
1: Stephen with his glorious hair, and, the, and the, he had quite a mane back in the day.
2: <laughs> I did, yeah, I did. I, I would have it again now if I could, but mm, nature telling me otherwise. So, <laughs>
1: but no, that, that's that's an awesome story. So wear I a wig
2: you. like me,
0: bro?
1: At Joe Lynn Turner's Wig Emporium. No. no man. And, as for the Don Dawkins special.
0: did you know J- Joel Turner was was completely bald even before he joined Rainbow? I did
1: that, not. Know. That's that, true. That's what that's... I
0: heard. But I mean, if you look at those early Rainbow videos of Jolin Turner, that's a wig. It kind kind of obvious even back then. Nice. Anyway. <clears throat> well, that's uh, that's uh, and, and you know the Bon Jovi connection. I banged uh, Tico Torres' mom. <laughs> Well, I
1: banged you, Mom, but, well, no. yeah. oh, hey. oh, Who has it? Oh. oh, my mom's in love with Steven, yeah. Yeah. We, we, we forgot to mention that. She's... Yeah, that's because
0: he's stuck around. That's why she don't like me. I'll be back. <laughs> I just gotta get a pack of smokes. <laughs> just making, she's just making me breakfast
1: right now. Oh! Oh, you're killing me. <laughs> Hi, Mom. I
0: love you. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, the next one is Nothing To Lose. Now, here's a song that fucking rocks. Why? No fucking keyboards. I would say all these songs would sound great if they didn't have uh, if they did what they did here. You know, keep on rocking and rolling and keep off the keyboards. I like Nothing to Lose. I think it's a good rocker. It's uh, I, I dig it. What do you think, Ian?
1: Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny. I kind of wrote that. I was like, yes, get rid of the bullshit. Uh, the great Glenn Hughes is back on vocals. Uh, the song itself sounds like it took about five minutes to write Uh, I mean nothing like really memorable but I think in in this you know part of the album you know I hear all the other bullshit with the bells and whistles to hear a song that is just stripped down and rocking like this even if it's not maybe the best song it just I think it sounds that much better just because it's what you want to hear it's a rocking fucking track I don't think it's great but it's definitely like more of what I want to hear out of this record uh, not, not a bad song. I dig it. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, it's a good song. I
2: love the opening riff. I think it's a great riff. Um, it's, yeah, the chorus, I feel, is a bit cliched. But other than that, I mean, definitely a great song. Look, overall, this is not a great album, but it's got some great tracks on it. And the keyboards definitely kill it. There's no doubt about it. But, yeah, this, to have no keyboards on this song, definitely. I'm surprised they didn't splatter a few uh, keyboards on there to kill it, but... Definitely, it's a good song. One of the better songs on the album because of No Keyboards.
1: All right, well, why don't you take the next one?
2: Um, Once in a Lifetime. Yeah, I mean, keyboards are overkill on this for me. I just, I don't really care for this song. Uh, chor- average chorus. Uh, I, I don't like the slow break in the middle. Again, guitar work, spot on. But just as a song as a whole, I mean, I, I would... Usually I skip the song when it when it comes on, pretty much it.
1: Ralph, uh, I
0: think it's a nice little commercial tune, but again ruined by the keyboards, and the keyboards kind of sounds like it was lifted by from Surrender, from Cheap Trick. It has that same type sound to it, and uh, again I, I don't think it's a bad song. It's just buried with shitty keyboards. Yeah, I think it's a nice little melodic commercial tune. Which I like stuff like that, too. But, uh, without the bells and whistles. So, that's what I think of Once in a Lifetime. You, Ian?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it, it's a pass for me. But it's not, it's just not that it's horrible. I just think it's undercooked. You know, and then and then you add the keyboards on top of it. It just sounds like a like, like a filler track. But I do like, uh, Gary Moore's voice on it. Again, I think he's got a really good voice. Uh but and I just—it's not that strong of a song—and then you throw all the other shit on top, and it's a big fucking pass for me. But then we go on to the next one, which is all messed up, and once again, Glenn Hughes comes back. And uh, this is one again—I don't think that's strong of a song, but it's saved by Glenn Hughes. Uh, I, I think if if, uh, if Gary Moore did this. As much as I like his vocals, I, I don't think it, it would have done much, but uh, uh, Glenn gives it that little like kick in the ass to make it more of a passable song, but I still find it kind of fillerish, but at least it's it's a rockin song. and I dig I that about it. What do you think, Ralph?
0: Second favorite track on the album. I think it's fucking rockin. The keyboards are buried in the mix as it should be. And it's classic Gary Moore right here. I think it's a great fucking song. I love All Messed Up. It's uh, one definitely a standout for me, man. What do you think, Stephen?
2: Yeah, great song. Uh, I love the riffs on it. Uh, you know, I'm, I love riffs, that's one thing. I, and this has just got, he's done some great ones on here. Great song. Uh, not a great song, It's just great riffs. It's not the best song. I think if, if, if Phil Linnett had something to do with it and got his fingers in on it, I think it would have been better. Um, but yeah it's 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 a good it's one of the better songs on on the album lyrics again I don't know, just a little bit cliche for me that's all sometimes it's just too cliched it's just you feel like you've heard it before but overall definitely a, a better one of the better songs on the album
0: kind of like you give love a bad name right Stevie? i was just gonna say
1: that <laughs> i'm like it's so shot through the heart
0: <laughs> those songs oh dude
1: don't
2: tell me you've not been to a bar mitzvah and you've not sung those songs.
0: <laughs> I have been to a bar mitzvah, unfortunately. I wish I was a Jew.
2: <laughs> or a wedding. You've not, you're not gone to a wedding and done Don't Stop Believing and
0: Living on a Prayer? Come no, on. they don't invite me to weddings. They know I'm against it.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. There was an 80s band last night that opened up for, uh, 80s cover band that opened up for uh, Corey Feldman. And they played both Don't Stop Believing and Living on a Prayer. And, uh, <laughs> they wow. do it every time. Everyone good, does. Good thing there was a bar there. <laughs> Oh, Lord. All right. Uh, Let's go on to the last one. Why don't you take it, Stephen? Listen to your heartbeat. This is the
2: worst song on the album, without doubt. It is awful. Uh, I I actually have to force myself to listen to this a couple of times just to kind of review it again for this podcast. But, oh, my God, it's terrible. I, I don't even know. I don't even think his guitaring saves it on this. I mean, obviously his playing is great, but the song is so bad that you know, I, I couldn't even really remember it. I had to listen to a few times and, and I remembered why I couldn't remember it. It's it's awful. Worst song by far. Minus ten for it. No no chopsticks for that one. <laughs>
0: what do you think, Ralph? Well no no dreidel's <laughs> <laughs> Uh yes, I have to agree. Here we go again. The eighties keyboard army is back. And to make it worse, this song uh, would suck even with without the keyboards. It's definitely the worst song on here. I really, really dislike this song. Uh, it's terrible. <laughs>
1: uh, this made me throw up in my yarmulke. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, this, this this is really bad. And, and uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's like. I, I, I wish it was a different placement, though, because it makes already an album I'm not that fond of even worse. Like, like, what a bad way to end this. I, I wish it would have went out with All Messed Up, you know, because then when it was done, it would have, you know, I'd be like, ah, oh, well, it wasn't that bad. But, you know, ending with this, like, oh, God, it was bad. What a bad album. <laughs> but, I mean, there, there are a few songs um, that, that I like on this. But uh, definitely... You know, I'm more of a Corridor of Powers guy. I need to check out... I need to check out more Gary Moore in general. But, uh, you know, I definitely need to check out that uh, Victims of the Future. That's the best one. That's awesome. Uh, You know, if it's like Corridors of Power, man, uh, I dig it. And you guys say it's even heavier.
0: It's heavier, though. I'm more partial to Corridors, but... It is a much heavier album than Corridors, yes. I I, I love
1: Wild
2: Frontier as well. I think Wild Frontier is great. Well, I
0: love that album. I love that album. I love the Celtic shit. I love it. Yeah, I'm good. a big fan of uh, Black Rose. The song it's like one of my favorite Lizzie songs.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, this was Gary Moore's sixth studio album, and uh, it was considered to be a breakthrough album for him. Because I guess more in the UK than in the states. Because I don't recall hearing any of this. In the U.S., at least not on radio. I know Ralph, You said you saw the videos, but yeah, I, no, I, no,
0: it didn't do nothing over here. Actually, no, nothing at all.
1: Yeah, you know, unfortunately, I don't think Gary Moore ever really had a breakthrough over here. You know, aside the minor one, you know, with the with the blues album, yeah, and
0: stuff. which which was really, I mean, I believe it topped the charts or was very high in the charts of the blues charts. So as far as like the blues right. market, right. it really did good. But you know, the blues market is small in the states, but still. I mean, that was his claim to fame in the U.S. market. That's where he really broke.
1: But, uh, uh, no, I, I think it's cool that you picked a, a, a different album. I've got no problems, you know. Uh, you know, Maybe somebody else you know, out there listening will like this. Uh, and maybe even if you give it a chance and you don't, check out some more Gary Moore. No, I mean, I wouldn't give up on this. If you don't like this album, still check out some other Gary Moore yeah, it's uh, like
0: it's like saying don't listen to high and dry because of ad- adrenalized.
1: Right, right, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but uh, I want to thank you for picking it, Stephen, and and, and for donating to uh, the Rocket Pod Expo. And like I mentioned, this is your your first of two episodes. And I'm not going to say what the other one is, but it's definitely a metal album that you picked. I thought but, it was uh, Dell Twenty One. Aren't we doing that? We're doing what? Adele, 21. Oh, yeah, sure. I love that bitch can sing, man.
0: <laughs> yes, she can. Uh,
1: uh, you told me it was napalm death, Ian. <laughs> I had to say something to get you to come online. <laughs> All right. Uh, but, but no, thank you very much for uh, donating to the expo. Are you coming to the expo, my brother?
2: I am trying to. It's actually my birthday week uh, that time, and uh, we just, we'll just we just be moving into the new house. Got a lot of stuff to do. I'm, I promise you I'm doing whatever I can to get there. I'm not 100% going, but I, 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 I'm I going to try, for sure.
1: Well, we would love to see you there. We really would. I'm going to yeah.
0: try to make it, too.
1: <laughs> and everybody else out there listening, I know we've had a few, uh, you know, that were going to go and unfortunately couldn't make it. But, you know, we want to see as many of you there as we can because it's going to be a really fun fucking weekend. And uh, I was just talking to Scott Stein the other day. He's like, what room are you guys in? Because he booked his... He booked his I'm like, dude, I have no idea. We got a confirmation number. I go, I go don't matter. We're all gonna be doing drugs at the pool. It's gonna be fun. Uh,
0: not me. I work <laughs> for the city. Remember, Ian.
1: Uh, I mean, I'm gonna be doing drugs. With, oh, okay. Shit, I work for the state. I'm gonna watch. Oh. <laughs> <E&D>. <laughs> but uh but uh hope to see you there. And let's get into our. do you have anything you would like to send us out in closing, Stephen?
2: Before we go to uh, um, Yeah, it's you know, if you don't know much about Gary Moore, it's. It's a, it, you know, we reviewed it. We, it's not the best album. I really picked it because of the, the Lizzie the line of connection. And, um, but yeah, Victims is a great album to check out. And, um, Wild Frontier is also another, or is, if you you want a bit more of everything, uh, We Want More was a great live album. That we did. Yes, yes. Great,
0: great. That's like the heavy era.
1: Yeah, I would like to, I haven't heard a live Jerry Moore album yet. I'd like to check, oh, check that
2: out. It, yeah, it's really cool. And then, um, are you going to say pick of the week? Is that what you're going to say?
1: Yeah, yeah. We'll go to, uh, I mean, if, if you're done summing up the album, uh, we can go into pick of the week.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, um, I'll keep it Lizzie themed. Um, again, a band that doesn't really get much uh, exposure over here, but Black Star Riders are, are an amazing band. It's uh, Scott Gorham and uh, Ricky Warwick. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever come across the Almighty. Who were a great, great heavy band. You should definitely check them out. The Almighty.
1: And I, I, I know of them, but I, yeah, I've yeah, never heard I,
0: of them. I remember seeing them on one of those. Remember those video cassettes, hard and heavy. Uh,
2: oh because, yeah, yeah, I awesome. love hard and heavy. But he, he, they, he, and Scott Gorham now. Uh, Jimmy DeGrasso was in there for a while. Um, Damon Johnson. So they just brought out the third album called uh, Heavy Fire, um, and they're they're just a great if you. The first album, they sounded very Lizzy-like, you know, uh, but they've kind of gotten their own sound now, and they used to do a lot of Lizzy in the live shows. Now they only do, like, maybe two songs. Did and, you go,
0: Stephen? Yeah. Did you go see Thin Lizzy open for Priest?
2: I did. I was at the front, and I actually couldn't even stay for Priest. I went all that way just to see uh, Lizzy. I was right at the front, and I was, oh, my God, I was in heaven.
0: Uh, that was the guy from The Almighty, right?
2: Yeah, Ricky Warwick. yeah. I mean, okay, I saw yes. him with The Almighty. You know, back in the day, like they, they were great. If you, you know, uh, but ch- uh, the, the, what's it called Power Tripping is a great album of the Almighty. But yeah, the Heavy Fire by Black Star Riders is their latest release. And, um, you know, if you like Lizzie, you like good, solid stuff, definitely check them out. A great I, band.
1: You know, I, I like what I've heard. And, and I have the albums and I haven't listened to them like in their entirety yet, but I've heard a few songs here or there. Uh, and I definitely—it's just good rock and roll to me. I mean, yep, what I've awesome. heard, you know, and that's what Lizzie was. I mean, Lizzie wasn't a metal band; they're just good rock and roll, rhythm and blue, all kinds of shit mixed in. Well, Thunder and what, Lightning,
0: I think, some metal
1: album. Yeah, true. But I, I mean, overall for their career, I wouldn't necessarily call they, it. A
0: they metal ended. Band. They ended as a metal band.
1: Right. Well, uh, the reason the reason I love Lizzie so much is
2: because you put any out any. They had so many different styles that's what i love about them it wasn't just right you know, rock when it was a bit every i mean i've said this many times renegade how could how many bands can have angel of death on an album with fats and, oh and i love fats that's you know not, yeah and that's really what i loved about them is they're just this they just did everything there was no limits
1: right
0: but uh, <laughs> they were they were unbelievable i remember uh when i bought black rose like my, probably my favorite of all the Lizzie albums and. uh Used to hate that song, Sarah. I mean, I despise oh, that song. Oh, I love that. Song. Now, I fucking love that song because of the vocal melodies and the way Phil sings it. But you know, it was like initially it was the sound of the song. It was like, oh my god, it's like Air Supply, you know. But then, like, as, when I when it finally like buried in, you know, because I have the vinyl and you know I was too lazy to flip it over to gotta give it up. That um, I would hear that song and I would be like, God, this is actually a really great melodic tune so yeah uh, even even when they did shit i didn't like i ended up liking
2: i wanted to call my daughter sarah because of that song but you know my wife wouldn't let me so that was the end of that
0: yeah your wife your wife was scared you'd hook up with jimmy
1: bane <laughs> <laughs> or jumbo uh, i don't know <laughs> yeah that's even well, worse uh <laughs> one thing i will say before we go on about the black star riders is uh i have immense respect that they, you know, they no longer went by Thin Lizzy. I think they kind of, you know, they did their tribute. It it was what it was. And when they started recording new music, uh, they believed in it enough to say, "Hey, th- th- this isn't Thin Lizzie. We're gonna change the name." I mean, you see so many old bands hang on to a name strictly for you know monetary value. I mean, like you know, horrible one is Quiet Riot. I mean, this, whatever the fuck is out there this week. Is not fucking Quiet Riot, you know, but they're going to make a few more bucks. And, and I respect that, you know, Scott Gorman, the guys just had the, the, the belief and the integrity to stop calling it Thin Lizzy, create something new and stand by it. And I respect that immensely. They're a great band. All three albums are fantastic. Right on. Ralph, you got a pick of the week?
0: I sure don't. I'm looking through my iTunes. <laughs>
1: Okay, uh, well I'll pick mine then. Uh, shit. All right. Um, mine is a Gary Moore album, but it's uh, it's it's uh, it's one of the blues era albums, but it's called Blues for Greeny. And what this is is uh, him doing an album of Peter Green tunes. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Peter Green was the guy who started Fleetwood Mac, and Fleetwood Mac originally was you know much different than you know the Lindsey Buckingham Stevie Nicks era they were an english blues band uh peter green played with john mayle just an amazing incredible guitar player that kind of lost his mind like a sid barrett almost you know too much acid just kind of lost his faculties but in the beginning uh fleetwood mac was really peter green but he was so like he didn't want the credit so he named the band after his rhythm section uh, uh, Mick Fleetwood and John McVie uh, But this is uh, Gary Moore pay, pay, paying tribute to him And I think this is appealing to fans Of Gary Moore and Peter Green uh, Just absolutely amazing I implore everybody, I beg you When this episode is over, look up Gary Moore Doing I Loved Another Woman is Oh uh, is Well on there? Uh no, he doesn't do it well. Okay. He doesn't. He doesn't do it well. He does more. Uh, they are more. I, I like the way he did it. You know, he didn't do like the uh, the, the hits. You know, like you know the Rattlesnake Shake and Oh Well. Uh, he picked like the ones like hardcore fans of Peter Green. I mean, and not all of it's Fleetwood Mac songs. Yeah, you know, it's it's stuff Peter Green did with like John Mayle. and it's just absolutely amazing. And BB King. Uh, As a matter of fact, it said Peter Green was one of the finest guitar players he's ever heard in his life. And to hear Gary Moore do it, and he does it damn near note for note, but there's little nuances that let you know you're also listening to Gary Moore. But it is, I I, I mean, for for people who just love guitar, and I, I Loved Another Woman is a prime example because it's really just... You know, the guitar and a, and a little bit of drums and just a great blues classic that I think, it you know, you, it would universally go over. You don't have to be like a blues guy to appreciate the playing. So, uh, Gary Moore Blues for Greenie, that's my pick of the week. And, and everybody, just check out, if you just want to give it a little taste, go on YouTube, look up. Uh, Gary Moore I Loved Another Woman and if you like that check out the Fleetwood Mac version check out those early Fleetwood Mac albums like the first three with Peter Green Uh, a a way different band and just a great great English blues band
0: well my pick of the week is not this but you mentioned that and I also should give a little shout out to a DVD I own which is Gary Moore's tribute to Phil Linon which is unbelievable I, I don't know Stephen was it released as a CD? I'm not sure.
2: I don't think it was released. I have the DVD. I don't think it was released. I mean, I would have it if it was a CD. Yeah,
0: it's so good, dude. He does all cool. the Lizzie songs. And um, the bonus footage is cool, too. I believe, I don't know, it's been a while since. I think Gary Moore visits uh, Ly- art Statue. I could be wrong. But uh, I know he goes to, in the extras, he goes to Ireland. But uh, my pick of the week, and I think it would be appropriate to pick this because uh, it is in the vein of Gary Moore. Is Frank Marino, and it's not, oh, Mahogany. Nice. It's not Mahogany Rush. Nice. And I know this will be blasphemy, but I think it's the greatest Frank Marino release ever. And it also features what I consider the greatest guitar solo ever caught on tape from a song called Ain't Dead Yet. And the album is called The Power of Rock and Roll. And this album is like so fucking underground. It's not even funny, because I remember when it came out, my friend had it, and he had a promo copy of it, and I never saw it in a store. I did end up finding it years and years later in a, in a, a used record store. But this album is so fucking guitar-oriented, hard rock, heavy, in the vein of Corridors Power and Victim of the Future. It has the blues influence in some of the songs. There's a song on there called Crazy Miss Daisy, which is like a heavy metal Jimi Hendrix tune. There's another song called Play My Music, the power of rock and roll title track. And of course, the song I just mentioned, Ain't Dead Yet, is what ends it. It's like an eight-minute song where it's just the lyrics are about they're, calling, they're saying that rock is dead, but well, we ain't dead yet. And he goes shredding, 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 but he does it in a way where it's not like an 8 Momstein. You're bored. He fucking rips, and every fucking note is like Gary Moore. You can feel it. And you want to talk about an underrated guitar player. Frank Marino is up there with Gary Moore to me, man. He's one of the greatest guitar players to ever exist and uh i highly recommend the album the power of rock and roll now
1: that that's something uh frank marino and and mahogany rush uh it's another thing like gary moore i would always read about this guy uh zach wild is another guy yeah zach
0: wild loves gary uh frank marino right
1: and uh and, and this is something you turned me on to and I just looked to see I do have this album but I'm going to listen to it As soon as we're done oh, wait, dude.
0: And, and as much as you differ from me I have a feeling You're going to fall in love With this album
1: Well, This you, album is just great You uh, you turned me on I believe it was on On your radio show uh, You played something off of Juggernaut I believe Yeah
0: the, the title track
1: The title track And I really love that uh, And I listen yeah, to that Yeah yeah If
0: you love that Then you're going to love this album This album's even better than that
1: And I I went back, and uh, uh, Mr. X hooked me up with uh, with the Frank Marino catalog and the Mahogany Rush catalog, and uh, I'm definitely gonna gonna spend that one as soon as uh, we get done today. Yeah, an
0: honorable mention is one of my favorite live albums, Mahogany Rush Live. Yes, that's another one. I have that as well. I'll check it out. Fucking uh, his cover of uh, Johnny B. Good is just mind blowing. But uh, yeah, Frank Marino, the power of rock and roll. Good luck finding that shit. I remember they did release it on import CD for like 100 bucks, back in the 90s when I used to get those little uh, pamphlets of you know import CDs to buy, and I was like, oh, man. I think it was like 80 bucks or something. I was like, fuck, man. I would love to have this on CD, but I have it on vinyl, and, and, and it, I'm, it, I'm very happy with
1: it. it. It might be something the listeners, it, I, I, I don't know if it's on YouTube or not, might be able to check it out.
0: Well, I'll tell you this. I made a video for the song Ain't Dead Yet, so look for that. Uh, phase linear ain't dead yet? You will be if you're a guitar player and you're a, a fan of Gary Moore's guitar playing and you haven't heard ain't Dead yet you, Listen to it you are going to have your fucking skull Removed because it is so mind-blowing. I mean it starts with a guitar solo then it goes into some uh, really killer hard rock tune again, which is a you know one of those call-to-arm type tunes like you know rock you know they're telling us rock is dead and you know lyrics are about like you know because you got to remember i mean uh in the history of you know us old schoolers we've always dealt with rock is dead i mean i remember heavy metal's dead rock is dead all throughout my youth and i'm like what the fuck is this guy talking about and then this song comes out and i would have never heard it if my buddy never received a a promo copy of it and it's one of those songs that if you love rock and you hate how people are like always write the obituary of it. This is the song for you. This is a song that's like a, a cry out that we're here, motherfucker, and and now we do is rock ruling. But check out this solo I'm about to do. You know, it's just fucking mind blowing. You know, so that's my pick. Power rock and roll. Highly recommend it. And even if you're not a guitar player, give it a chance. Go on YouTube and look up that look up the song "Ain't Dead Yet" and "Crazy Miss Daisy," and play my music. You know, play those three songs back to back. And you will be mind blown how amazing this song is. And, and, and you'll, I'm telling you, you will literally look it up on Wikipedia, find out who promoted it and you will go kick his ass.
1: Nice. All right. Well, those are our pick of the week. Now it's time to go to fan of the week, and Fan of the week is here with us again, Steve, you've been here since the beginning and, uh, man, we we really appreciate you. You know, uh, not only as a listener, but as a friend. We both got to hang out with you. And, uh, man, it means a lot that you contribute not only once, but twice to this. And, uh, man, thats I'm glad you enjoy the page. You know, you hooked us up with with the Darren interview. And, uh, man, we're really uh, really proud to have you as a listener and as a friend in real life. So I hope we get to see you at the expo.
0: Yeah, uh, dude, I hope you make it. I didn't. I had no idea you moved to Jersey.
1: Yeah, well, about a month ago.
2: But yes, uh, thanks. Great being on here. I was a bit nervous beforehand. think, you know, that you're going to give me a hard time. But you, you went pretty easy on me, so it wasn't too bad.
0: I yeah, just wait. hope my friend David Lovett doesn't move, because then I'll have no Jewish friends.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, just wait till tomorrow. Get some Manischewitz <laughs> and, uh, and, and get loaded for tomorrow's what? episode.
2: Ralph, just move up to Boca, and you'll have plenty of Jewish friends.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. No, I've been there, believe me. No, I, I, I love I love Miami Beach too much. I have oh no, actually my drummer's Jewish, Brian Wilson from Combat. And he lives in Boca. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there you go. But no, thank you guys. It's great being on here and I had a great time and uh great show. I love it, you know I do, and I love being on the on the Facebook page and getting involved. And I recommend you guys to everybody. I always pass out, you know, information and uh send, I always send out links to the podcast of you know, if I have a buddy who's into a certain band and you've done a review, I'll I'll send them the link, even if they're not into podcasts and they always Oh make- yeah.
1: Oh no, you, you did amazing. I remember the first uh, Lizzie episode we did. You know, it did kinda so so. And the second one we did, you sent out you tagged it to everything and that episode blew up and then in return our other than Lizzie episode started blowing up. So you've done a lot to help, you know, promote the show. And uh, and we, of course, you're coming back. We're gonna to record tomorrow for for your other show. But when all this, you know, the the expo shit's said and done, I definitely want to have you on again in the future for a full blown uh, Lizzie episode because I'm sure our listeners would love to yeah, hear you yeah, yeah. masturbate, yeah,
0: yeah, live on I live have, on the air. I have
1: a lot
2: of Lizzie stories. I mean, obviously, I've been into them forever. So uh, yeah, I, I mean. Yeah, I got some good stories for Lizzie. You
1: know. Oh yeah. So so when all this is said and done, we will definitely have you back on. You know, and let you <laughs> let you pick a, a Lizzie album you'd love to talk about. So. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. No problem. All right, let's get to the plugs.
0: Ear Peeler, the podcasting and interview news site, to keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear. Go to earpillar.com to find out what we're all about. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Royce brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to marsattacksradio.com to find out more. Listen to The Rock
2: Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, gulllyandjo dot U 8 p.m. U.K. time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt.
1: All right, KISS Army. Since 2007, you've been getting Podkissed, the KISS Audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your podcast. Every month, the Podkiss crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Jay
0: Sprelli and you are listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkist, the KISS Audio Fanzine for your ears.
2: Music's most diverse podcast, starring Luke Innes, Greg Simpson Bootlegs, and Mr T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addict, and iTunes. The true alternative podcast. Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course, you have.
0: There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie
2: every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watched It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser known movies of Netflix, available on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast.
1: Hello, my name is Lee Gerstman, and I have a podcast which is improvisational in time. The next episode might be 20 seconds away, or it might be 20 years away, but it's called The Lee Gerstman Show, and I do a lot of record reviews, but I also do editorials about women and food and other subjects, strange or otherwise. Feel free to take a listen to the Lee Gerstmann Show on Spreaker. Thank ya.
0: Hey, Headbangers, you want your own radio show? Well,
1: you got it.
0: On Thursday nights here on That Metal Station, Join me on the Dr. Fuck show. Go in the chat room and I will make you my co-host. That's right. Everybody that joins me in the chat room, I discuss whatever you guys wanna talk about. I'll mention your name, I'll say what you say, and we're gonna go back and forth and I'll even fucking play whatever request you want. Unless it sucks, then I ain't playing it because my show rules and only songs that rule is allowed right here on that metal station. The Dr. Fuck Show airs live Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. Hope to see you there. Whoa, no, no, fuck that hope. I better see you there, motherfucker.
1: All right, well, if you enjoyed this uh, album uh, and episode, it means you like keyboards or Jew jokes. Either way, come back next week when we fucking tease this guy again, but this time talking about a metal album. What's it going to be? Well, you know how it is. You got to wait till Wednesday to find that shit out. But next week, Steven Kirsch returns and we get metal on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast.